All the space. All the space. Okay, space for space. Space for days. All right. So, um, what are your favorite moped sounds? I don't know, like touch your fly, was it moving? Like, no, nah, it feels pretty locked up. Sounds like you're fucked, dude. Oh boy! Wop, wop, wop. You fucking blew it. <laughs> Welcome to Moped Money Podcast. What's going on, man? Episode 100. Ooh, you're going to do it anyway? <laughs> Fuck it. Right? Right? Yeah. Dude, so have you seen this? It sounds like mopeds running, for those who don't know. Yeah. To the to, to most. Yeah, a little moped burnout. Yeah. Wait, what? What? Put your cam back. What? Scoot life. Scoot life. Scoot life. Scoot life. Where these guys from? Scoot life. Running my poop to the stoplight. Way too much fun at school Sound the hipsters, but we're also hipsters. Sound the hipsters, but we also hipsters. His shirt says moped poser. Yeah. So the boys uh, did it up there, dude. Uh, Blue Stroke, I mean, Blue Smoke 2 Stroke sent me the link on our Instagram page. The hottest video I've seen today. I was going to say, that's the, that's the first uh, moped rap video that's come out in a long time. Yeah. We we talked about putting one out for Scooter Gang. It never happened. <laughs> but they they, they they followed through, man. They made a, made a song, put it out, did the thing. Yeah, so check it out. Uh, Congratulations, guys. I, I think it's just called Scoot Life on YouTube if you guys want to fucking check it out. I don't know, but yeah. They know like Nitro Circus first fucking awards for this, but yeah, congratulations. <laughs> It was funny. It put a smile on my face, dude. Yeah. I got I got a little entertainment out of it. I was like, oh, Scoot Life. Scoot Life. Ride around on a scooter bike. Everybody on their mopeds <laughs> talking about Scoot Life. Yeah. Someone else is going to complain. I know the first complaint from like fucking everyone out there. I'm already like, complaining. Oh, it's not. It's you not didn't use scooter. the word moped. It's not a scooter. <laughs> a scooter, you sit on like a toilet. Why did you call it moped life? Because it doesn't fucking sound as good. It's hard to rhyme. Moped life. Like, Scoot Life just sound a lot better. Scoot life? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Moped, it's moped a scooter. Got too many syllable, syllables in it, man. Make it hard. I don't know. All you guys out there, you're technically riding scooters. We just call them mopeds. Uh, when you register them at DMV, sometimes they, they just say it. It's a scooter. No, uh, depends what you live, I guess. That whole thing. And I also saw like some fucking more like Onyx fucking ride out fucking videos of like, you know, mobbed up like 
riding eight deep or ten deep with all Onyx fucking e-bikes. I'm just like, mm. something about showing up at a spot where everyone's got the same bike that still just like bothers me a little bit. I think old folks buy those things that way they can plug their pacemakers into them, keep them charged up while they're out there riding them. And I like see them like ripping off, like doing this group ride, and someone films it in the GoPro. They got a little video, and you're just like, man, these things are quiet. Like all together, yeah. like, <laughs> but it's a library squad. I'm like, yeah, like that was like an any noise out here, dude. I'm like, man, this is like, just something just feels off about you it. You ever just want to get out in the wild and hear the roar of your tire against the road and no engine? <laughs> Rocks kicking up on the side. Of, you, you want to hear the old guy scream at you, slow down, get an onyx. Yeah, I definitely did not hear what that old man was saying that one time to us, dude. Sorry, bud, loud pipes, can't hear you. I hear him quite a bit. <sighs> so. It's usually fuck you or something like that. The parking dog. Yeah. Dude, so this is it. Muppet Money Podcast. If you have not heard of us before, we are a podcast. And if you can't tell from the title, it's kind of about mopeds. If you haven't heard of us before, listen to every other episode. Yeah, catch up, man. Gotta catch up. You'll you'll get a kick out of it at least least 70% of the time. Man, that McDonald's dinner is... I don't know if that was a good idea. I don't know. You did it to yourself, bud. I know. Uh, I didn't go down the road. I'm a victim of circumstances, though, man. I don't have a kitchen, and like, it's been a weird week. Yeah. I wasn't going to eat, and I was like, I think I better eat. Hey, you never know, man. You never know. Come in the podcast room, get too many PBRs, dude. Might be fucking calling Ash to come save your ass. Yeah, I know. So, you know, got to drink something, right? Eat something. Drink something, eat something. Drink something, eat something. Dudes, do you play my pets this week? Way too much. Today. Oh, yeah. I'm sick of it today. I get go? I get in the car to get like uh, to McDonald's, you know, first mm-hmm. stop on the way here, and I throw the seatbelt on and I start pulling out the driveway and I feel like there's something biting me, and it's where I was case matching the the you know pulled the cases down I was working on that and case mm-hmm. matching just like aluminum shards all in my shirt. I'm like, what the fuck, man? Where is it? I'm like reaching inside my shirt doing the shakeout, but I still got the seatbelt on. I'm like, all right, I'm good. Drive down the road a little bit, hang the corner like the way I. I Turn the, Turn the, the wheel. steering wheel, like the shard is back in my chest and I can't find it anywhere. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck, man? I, luckily, I got these fancy pants on. Dude, that's a good the, one, dude. They're not getting through these pants. That's funny. I, I think that's great. Like when you're bored and you get covered in the fucking shit and you're just like, oh, wait, now I'm covered in aluminum fucking bits, dude. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly what happened. I'm, I like stood up and I'm like, oh, fuck. That? I need a smock. The one that's even worse, dude, the, uh, the, the wire brush. Yeah, when, when the wire those, things come off yeah, of it. Yeah, when you get those fucking long... Because the little Dremel tiny, guy comes off a lot. Oh, the Dremel ones come off all the time. Like, if you got it on the drill, the drill attachment wire brush, they fucking shoot off of that thing, dude. You just have them all in your shirt, stabbing the fuck out of you. They will fuck you up. My, yeah. my dad had got one in his face one time. Ooh. Yeah, it was awesome. I remember that time Ben like was like porting or something and got like metal in his eye, had to go to the fucking ER. Use a magnet to get it out, usually. <laughs> I'm like, fuck, dude. Like, gotta use some safety protection, dude. Yeah, they get those super magnets and just, like, wave it over your eyeball. Like, it's like that and welding. And, like, you know, you do, like, the fucking the squint. <laughs> like, oh, I'm just gonna do the squint, dude. It's good. It'll be fine. Well, now I'm getting older, so I have to wear glasses. So it's like, safety glasses, kinda. <laughs> I mean, it's better than nothing. At just the right angle. <laughs> yeah, as long as I'm not. I, so now I squint and wear my regular glasses. Ooh. Double down. <laughs> Added protection. Super protected. <laughs> I got, uh, I stepped up this summer and I got, uh, I got goggles. I got like legit, like, 
goggles again. So like all the way around the eye, full seal. Like when you were in a science class, yeah, that kind of shit. Yeah, but, but with like, the vents on the top, so you don't fog them up. Yeah, some new ones. But man, those fuckers get fucking hot, dude. Your eyes get all sweaty. Like it's not good. Yeah, you look down and the sweat drips on your <laughs> on the inside of the goggle. Yeah, it's like oh man, you can only wear it for so long. It's like my my worst shit is like wearing glasses. You look down and it's hot as a bitch outside, so your nose is like. You know, it's hot, so you're you're a greasy you're a greasy fucker. And all of a sudden your glasses just constantly as soon as you look down, your glasses just slide the fuck off your face or try to fall off. You can't catch them in time because you got your hands full of stuff. Gotta get you one of those damn nerd ropes, man. Yeah, I know, I saw that. Strap that the jungle into your head. Now they also make this shit called nerd athletic straps. Nerd wax, which is like you just dab it on the glasses little nose piece and it like keeps it from coming down. That sounds odd. I don't like that. It's like a little still, chapstick thing. Just dab it they, on. they still have those little rubber little jams. They still make the glass with little rubber pieces. Yeah, some of my glasses have them. I've got like four pair. Mm-hmm. They're all fucked up. I go to work and I'm like, I'm not wearing my good glasses. Then I go to work and I'm like, fuck, I'm wearing my good glasses. Overspray. Paint all in glasses. Bro. Yeah, then I got to get there and uh, do the uh, the clay bar. Clay bar That works really good, actually. Clay bar, your, your glasses just fucking cleans all the shit off them. And do not buy glasses with anti-glare. Or scratch-resistant coating, because that shit scratches like a bitch. You can't fix it. Oh damn. Yeah, I don't think I, I don't think I'll ever get to be like a glasses dude. I don't know. Like my parents both wear glasses. Aaron wears glasses. Like, but she never wears them. But like, I don't know. I'm fucking thirty. I don't know how many 30, fingers am I holding up. I'm thirty-six and still twenty-twenty, baby. I don't know. I don't think it's happening. Yeah. Anytime soon. Hold it down. I never used to wear them. I mean, I probably should have been wearing glasses, but finally I couldn't read jets. So now with the magnifying glass and the glasses, I'm good. <laughs> Double down. That was like one of my best like purchases when I finally bought like a, mag- the one a magnifying the glass for like oh I wish I bought the one with the light I blew it yeah the I one with the light's one nice that sits on a table it's on a stand and everything I was like oh man I bought the magnifying glass you can read I still want to get jets. yeah I want to get that little guy that has the little gator clips with the magnifying glass for doing soldering oh yeah. Because I there's, you never have enough hands when you saw it. I also wish I, I still like out of all these years playing mopeds, I still don't have like just a regular set of alligator clips. Like when you're like trying to test for grounds and shit, you just like throw in the alligator clip. Oh, and, I've like, got that the, for a jumper. Like yeah, you know, you just put it wherever. Like I've been fucking having to make jumper cables. You know, like, oh man, I need another jumper cable. Or like splice a wire, strip it down, and then just wrap it around a bolt and stick it on something real quick for your, yeah. and then just shove it in the other end, hoping it stays. But like the alligator, then you ship. kick your bike over, and the fucking wire comes out. Yeah, but the alligator ship's clutch. Easy. You, know? you just like click it on there, and snap it on somewhere. It's adulting. When you get glasses, you'll get alligator clips. <laughs> you realize it. Uh, like, I finally got back in my garage this week. It's been a while since I just like was working on mopeds, and I was like, "Man, I gotta force myself to get in there. I gotta finish this bike that I've been meaning to do forever." Like, and then I did one of those things where, like, you know, you start working on a bike, turn the music on, and you just look at everything instead no, of working on it. Oh, that happened for a little bit, but yeah. I was in a book, and and then uh, but I turned on the fucking you know got in there and pulled the bike out. I'm like, "All right, I painted this bike." Four months ago, I guess I should finally start putting it back together, and can't find a where fucking thing. the fuck did everything go? Yeah, I've like destroyed and cleaned the garage probably three or four times since then. Like, I got a bad habit about that. I'll yeah. pull two bikes down. And I'm like, all right, what the fuck, man? I know I separated everything. Turns out I didn't. They're all in the same box. <laughs> yeah, I fucking I fucking blew it on that, dude. I was like, yo, 
go. Like, I miss a bunch of just little stuff. Like, all right, like, got fresh bearings, got that check for the headset. But I'm like, I got the headset cup bearing. I'm at the little bottom piece. I'm like, where'd the top piece for the headset go? You don't need it. I'm like, got it's a for sale bike. <laughs> you don't need it, man. It's, it's repeat customers. Man, this thing does not turn for some reason. It doesn't, yeah, it turns, just not well. <laughs> yeah, this is one of the special bikes where you lean into it. So, damn, man, I, I couldn't find that. So, I like had to take it off another bike. You know, it's just whatever. Like, I got a bunch of heart bikes that I'm kind of like fixing up anyway. So, I'm like, all right, I'll stack, steal this piece and put it all together. And then I'm like, all right, now where's the nuts? Where's the bolts? Where are the washers? Like every little teeny piece of this bike. Yeah, did you collect all the shit and just throw it in the bucket? Yeah, you got a couple buckets. You yeah. Know? I'm like, it's, it's like, oh, it's just a bolt. Like yeah. it, while you're cleaning, you don't think about it. You, you're just like, oh, it's just a pile of bolts. Let me throw that in the fucking magic yeah. bucket. But when you fucking don't touch any of this stuff for months, like even the other day when I was looking for the Pook uh, Cobra kickstand, I was like, oh, yeah, I got to find that kickstand. Guess where it was? Right on the shelf. Like right in front of my face, what I was like, so like hectic trying to find it. Yeah, like, you looked right past. Looked it. right past it like multiple times. So that was interesting. Uh, I took the damn my my derby variant out for a little little spin. Little hoorah! Yeah, we uh, in rode, the rain. Uh, no, I took it out the other night. Uh, I can't remember what Friday night. Yeah, and I rode it all the way out to Noah's from here. So oh, okay, yeah, the stalker like cross town forty ish. Solid 36. Nice. You know, nice, maybe 39 Best on like a town. slight downtown, you know, downhill. I'm like, got a pipe on it, but it's like a little rich, like, you know, needs like some clutch springs. So the pipe's just for that. looks. Yeah, it's not really doing too much, but I think I think I could fix that if I actually worked on it a little bit. But I was like, I don't know, just been enjoying it. Like, you know, another bike to ride. Surprisingly, the seat isn't as comfortable as I thought it was going to be. You know, you see does it look solid and then it just squishes down? Yeah, it looks solid. It's that long, like the flat, like variant seat, like yeah. not the, like the poofy one. It's like the, the long flat one. I'm like, oh, they look all right, you know. And then you sit on it, you're like, mm. Mm. Mm, time for jealousy. Like not that great. And then Eric's like, well, see, should have got a Tomos. I told you, <laughs> Tomos seats. Shut the fuck up, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. I'm like, yeah, your brand new Tomos 13 fucking seat does look pretty comfy. But. For another two years till the, till the, uh, all the stitches break and the seams rip. <laughs> for that wide load. That Fowler seat. For your, for your pleasure. Yeah, I didn't do a heck of a lot. Got a one frame stripped down. I took the tank and super cleaned the fucking tank. Super, super, super cleaned it. Like Hosed uh, it out. First, man, I tipped it over and I was like, what in the hell is coming out of here? And I was sitting there rattling it, and I found the oil measuring cup was stuck down in there, so I got that out and a bunch of other like debris and garbage. Soaked it in gasoline for a little bit, dumped all the fuel. Then I soaked it in water and uh, purple stuff, you know, like purple degreaser. Mm-hmm. Just like left it for like three days outside. No worries. Dumped that, filled it up full of uh, muriatic acid water mix, like a light oh, yeah. mix. You and it is, muriatic acid. It is sparkly clean, like brand new. So I got that done, sanded it down some, fixed a dent, polished it up, took the cases off, case matched that shit, found a kit, found all the bearings, crank seals, and tires, and wheels, and, you know, like all the bits and pieces I need to put it together. Sort of just organized everything. Yeah, I saw you, like, went all out on this one, dude. You are like, bondoing and, like, sanding real good. Like it's, I wouldn't have bondoed anything, but that one dent's right on the right spot. So I took, I've got, like, some bodywork in hammer, so... When you when something like that hits it, it creates like almost like an outward dent on the other side of the frame. Oh weird. Yeah, so it smacked it on top, but it pushed the side out. Yeah. So I had to lay it on its side and get like a shrinking hammer, 
and, and just like shrink ha- it in. shrink hammer the whole side of it in and then get the top straightened out. That way when you bond it, it's not a hot mess. Hmm. Just kind of metal work it a little bit. It's like, damn, Thomas, for the customer bike? Going all out, man. Going ham. Yeah. You well, it was ugly. The, you didn't paint the last one. No, the other one looked good, though. <laughs> the color was good still. It wasn't faded out. Like, I've seen them before. I picked them up, like that uh, burgundy one, and they've been sitting on one side their whole life out in the backyard. So one side is super faded, and you flip it over, and the other side's cherry. It's like, fuck, man. Yeah. It's either all got to be faded or all got to be cherry. One of the two. Like, I kind of like the one I got on the bench or whatever. It's like I painted it, but it's like not like perfect and still like a little dirty like in spots. And like it's got like the the original decals that are just like cleared over top of. So like you have the, the cracked vintage like decal look. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like uh, I wanted to look nicer than it than it was, but I didn't want it to like go all out on all this shit. You're not so showing like, it. Yeah. You just want to make it look better. Yeah. I was just kind of spruce it up. Just, just enough. Just a little bit. I mean, that's what I'm going for. It's like, I'm not trying to fucking shine up all your wheels. I'm not trying to fucking... Richie's like, take the swing arm off. It's like, it's not worth it. <laughs> yeah, not doing all that. I'm not no. trying to damn fucking steel wool every spoke by hand. Like, Oh, I'm doing all that. I'm not doing any of that. Like, Dremel. I just, <laughs> just want to have something decent that, like, you know, he can enjoy. You're Should keeping this? Are you no, selling I'm it? I'm selling it. It's already sold, essentially. Like, I got a deposit on it, like, a while back. I just, like, haven't finished. I thought Amanda was going to buy my poop, but she hadn't hit me back up about it. Oh, weird. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she doesn't wonder what. But I think she's, like, in the on, in the line of getting Mary's waffle bike. Okay. I think they were trying to work that out. Like, nice. Mary's like, oh, I got two bikes. Like, but she's trying to like, moving, and, like, she hasn't been riding. She could like, use the money, probably. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know. Amanda was, like, talking about buying that. I'm like, which is a good bike. Oh, like, hell yeah. Like, it does the thing. It's like, yeah, it's, you know, broken down a couple times, and you know, need a little work here and there, but it's still like a moped. It's got all the good parts. It's been rebuilt. Yeah. They essentially do all the same things. Break. <laughs> Leave you stranded. Break, oh, break, man. break, break. What else? Oh, yeah. So I'm fucking this hand. I got a gnarly cut. It's deep. And it's right here. Oh, this is the bottom bottom crease of the finger. Yeah, the very top of your palm, right the, the bottom crease of your finger, yeah, right, right on my the, middle right finger. Right at the fist maker. Yeah, so like I set the cases up after I cleaned them and like balanced the cases on each other. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing something else. And then I was like, oh, let me move these cases real quick. I go to grab them. And like as soon as I grab them, I lean on the, the workbench a little bit. And it just barely jiggles. And one case starts to take off like that and like fall over. So I'm like, oh, shit. So I went to grab it and like tripped and put all my weight on and the corner of the case just like went right through my finger. Damn. Fucking deep. What? Deep, deep. Real good and deep. That's crazy. Crazy. No knife, no nothing. No, <laughs> I didn't stab myself with a screwdriver. You know, you know that old trick. <laughs> yeah. You know. Fuck, man. God damn. Hurts like a bitch. And I'm like, Ashley, I need some help. <laughs> <laughs> my hands are nasty as hell. You know, like covered in yeah, oil and grease it, and like... shit. Last Ooh. time I did that in the garage, I got like some bad cut in the garage. I just pulled one of the, uh, I think, uh, it was just a garage, like rando band aid. You just grab a shop towel, like one of the yeah. blue, blue some rags, tape. You wrap it around your finger and then throw some electrical tape around it and just kept working. I didn't have any. I don't know where it's at. I had the blue rag with no tape. Yeah. I was like, I'm going inside immediately. This is deeper than I feel comfortable with. So I like, took the neosporin, like opened my hand up, my finger, my palm, and stretched it out. So it's like a little bird's mouth. And I squeeze a shit pile oh, of Neosporin in there. The, the directions say don't put it inside of open ones. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> it's, it's for cuts. <laughs> oh, it's in there. They should have put on some uh, some 
What's the other stuff? The liquid shit. Ibuprofen. I'm not. God, ibuprofen. What an asshole. I just fucking blew it. <laughs> <laughs> Isopropylene alcohol. Oh, man, dude. Oh, I can't think of what I'm even trying Antiseptic to think Antiseptic spray. Right yeah, that'd be good. But as it comes with a little brown bottle, iodine. No, fuck. What's that fucking shit? Hemorrhoid dude? cream? No, it's definitely not. Because it kind of looked like an asshole. A brown bottle that comes in like a little white tube. So the brown bottle is... Uh, Ash, if Ash was here, she'd help us out, dude. I know. She, she would exactly what we're talking about. Because she's like, oh, we got that. Yeah. It foams up if you stick it in yeah, your... Yeah. I'll that's like... the shit. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I can't think of what it is in my head. Which is whatever. I'm going to let it go. Because I'll just like get stuck with this for fucking 15 minutes. But yeah. Now I'm on it. I'm like, this is all I can think about. Okay, dump that shit on there. People it burns are, like a motherfucker. People out there like, in the oh. wild going, it's... It's... Yeah. Y'all know what y'all know what the fuck we're talking about. You know where it is. Oh, my phone's dead. I can't even fucking shit. look it up. <laughs> no, stop thinking about it. I you're, can't. Giving me, you're giving me the stare. You're trying to figure it out. So you cut your finger. I use that open. shit to brush my teeth with. So you cut your finger open. Had had to get Ashley to fucking save you. Sort of, yeah. Look, well, the thing about it is I need to like push that little flap of fuckery closed. So like I had her like tape all my fingers together in like a cup. Nah man. For a just minute. Fucking, you gotta cut off that dead skin, man. Let it go. I did that once with my knee and I let my knee heal real bad. That time I wrecked it with a dirt bike and like I cleaned it, but I didn't clean it out good enough. Oh, I've done that. So a few when times. it fucking finally healed or started trying to heal, it was just like healing like some fucking shit skin in there. You too. get the toenail clippers that are curved and just like Yeah, it was trying to heal some bad stuff in there with it and I was just like it, it took so long for it to heal properly. And still I didn't really scar from it, like I blew it. You blow it. It's like I should have scrubbed it out and just cut off all the old skin and let it let it get out of there. But I blew it. I can't think of what else we did. I, you know, moped related. Nothing really. Yeah. Just kind of laying low. Moped Monday, kind of a, kind of a fail. Yeah, for me. Yeah, nothing really happened. We tried to get it together, and no real. I don't know. I didn't really do any group rides. We did one, kind of, but like. Not really. It was like, you know, from one spot to another. And it's like, all right, see you later. Yeah, thanks for the turning out. Yeah. Boom. Bye. I mean, but it's typical these days right now. That happens. Like, it kind of comes and goes. I know I'm talking about it. I was talking about it the other day. I'm trying to plan a trip. Because I haven't gone anywhere. I haven't done anything. And, like, I'm starting to get real antsy. So, I Airplanes and strippers? Yeah, I want to do the airplanes and strippers and tattoos in Florida and the casino. That's going to go down. But I also want to go just take a trip maybe to Sumter or not Sumter, fucking head, head down yeah head down fucking South Carolina and fucking see the buzzards and maybe uh, do a rebuild for that derby just like buy some parts pop the motor off and go down there because like you know they're playing derbies and just like all right man we're gonna come down and do a derby rebuild weekend like ride around with you guys and see some they've got a fuckload of them too yeah I think that'd be like just like a fun trip and kick with the homies that I steal seen all in their specialty tools. I still would like to take a trip to Pittsburgh because I've never been to Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh so is pretty tight. Yeah, like, I've been to Philly. I've been to you know Ohio. It's a long now. drive. But, like, but I think it'd be a fun weekend. Just like hit Pittsburgh and go fucking ride around Mo Pit for the weekend. All this sounds grand. Or Raleigh. No, no, Raleigh's, Raleigh's real close. Yeah, Raleigh's close as shit. I'm like hit, hit the Raleigh boys up, dude. Makeshift mob and fucking sweet date and sweet fucking Keith and the boys, dude. Fucking. I, I did right pre- down the street. Uh, speaking of makeshift mob, it was practicing my bicycle wheelies. Oh. I need to learn how to get it on a bicycle. Yeah, balance, I, I got to go game. back to the starting point. You got to switch your bicycle brakes, though. Why? So in the mask to your moped. True. 
Cause like that threw me off. That was like a big difference. And like I fucking bust my ass one day doing that mm. shit. Fucking threw up the bicycle. I'm like, up, up, up. And yeah, I'm you like, grab break, the left, break, break, and then break. nothing happens. It was that was definitely the front brake, and it did not go well. True, true. So and like if if you switch it up, then you're doing the same shit you would on a moped, and kind of helps you notice. I mean, it's the same concept though. Doesn't matter what hand you use. Mm, still muscle memory. Yeah, I watched this video. This guy he built a bicycle with the head stem. Instead of the handlebars going to the head stem, he put a gear and then set uh, the handlebars into like another welded piece in the front with another gear. So when you turn left, the bike turned right. Vice versa. And he's like, it was impossible to learn how to ride this thing. <laughs> Took me eight months to finally figure it out and learn how to ride it. Yeah, trick bike. You give it to a child, they pick it right up, no problem. And I'm thinking to myself, great rally trick. We got to build one of these. On a moped though? I don't know, man. Bicycle <laughs> sounds plenty hard. A moped would... Is, no, not a moped. No, no way. Somebody's going to kill themselves. 25 miles per hour and you think you're going to go left and you hook a hard right, you're done. Yeah, that would suck. Not, not into that. Oh, oh, did we have voicemails? Oh, yeah, we did talk about that last time. We also have this package. If you hear it, it sounds like a package. No cameras in here. Can't see shit. Yeah, there's things inside of it. From the mad brapper. It says brap brap on the outside of the package. You does know? it say that or does it say brap? It says brap. It says brap brap suckers. I don't know why you call them suckers, dude. But let's open this fucker yeah, up, dude. Yeah, you're the one that sent us stuff. Oh, so we got some mad brappa stickers. We got some fucking some pins. Ooh. And we got dun 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 dun. Unwrap this son of a bitch. We got an intake for the Gila. Since we're talking episode 100, we got an intake for the Gila build we're going to do, Gila Tomos. And we confirmed some shit with our buddies over at Treats. And we don't know what else, but we're going to get the hookup and it's going to go down. We're not going to say what all the stuff's going to be, prizes or whatever we're doing. Is that a Gila intake? It's a small one. Yeah. Oh, guy. The Bing 15 Gilead intake. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like giant ripper intake. This is like you're trying to build a blaster, but you also want to be conservative with your gas. Blaster on a budget. <laughs> you, want, you want to blast, but you also want to do it in style. You want to like blast, but also like not have to hit that gas stop. No, it's the, it's the hardcore Tomos guys. So they're like, I want to put a Gila shit on mine, but I love my shock arm. <laughs> I want to keep a shot. <laughs> you can probably put a fifteen fifteen on this guy. I bet that's what it's for. I wish I just had like some uh, calipers in here right now, dude. Measure that bitch. <laughs> but dude, thank you very much, man, Brat, for the for the parts, bro, and the stickers and the pins. Like, we're gonna use them up. We're gonna go somewhere. We're gonna go to something. And the quality stickers too. None, none of that bullshit. Yeah. Got that reflective backing. There you go, bud. Stickers your mom would love. These are the kind of stickers you can actually put in the toilet, and they'll stay there. <laughs> I always hate that. Like I'm like, who's putting their hand in these dirty ass? I do. <laughs> yeah, I totally do. I, st- I put stickers in the toilet. I don't care. I'm like, I'm not trying to put my hand in there, man. I'm good. I think it's funny. I'm good. I'm good on that. I'm good on the good. <laughs> Dude, any, I know. Any, any Lazy. New, any new bike plans? Now I'm just trying to figure out paint schemes. When I'm gonna paint shit? When I'm gonna paint it? Might actually shoot it tomorrow. Video it some more. Like, I like to video it, but I, like when you're painting it, you can't film it. 
Yeah. Unless you want to get shit on your own. I mean, I don't care about that so much. I'm like, but it, it takes all hands on deck to like do it. You yeah. know? Gotta have a good, get your tripod out. The little uh, crazy gripper thing you got. Yeah, but then I, that's the other problem. I'm lazy and I suck at the internet, right? So if I record it on, I do have a GoPro still. If I put it on the GoPro. Are you going to get around and taking it off the I'll GoPro? I'll never get it off the GoPro. Luckily, the new GoPros do have that feature in Not the Not the app. one I have because I really? ran my um, Hero, whatever the fuck it is, over with the truck. And you can't access it from your phone anymore? If you, if you can check the video from your phone app, you can see oh, it Oh, it's crushed. Ugh. The screen is broke. The back screen is broke. It dented it in. Where's the second one? Did you buy two? No, I have no. I got another one for free, but it's like a Go Go. Uh, it's a HoPro three. <laughs> you know, it's a GoPro, but it's like the, the old school man. It's old HoPro. One. Yeah, it's gray. You know, That's lame. Yeah, no bueno. No, no bueno. Dude, uh, we do have a guest today, so let's just make a call, dude. We'll get to that, and then we'll hit those couple of voicemails we had last week, and see what that's about. Motherfucker. Uh oh. It doesn't come through the second year. Just hang up, try again. There we go. Ooh. Magic. Yeah, dude. Quick fix. Yo, what up? Yo, what's going on? How's it going, Jason? Chilling. It's me, and I'm here with uh, Thomas. Oh, T Money? Yeah, Rebel team Rebel. T Money. <laughs> Dude, so for those who don't know, because I didn't even say who was going to be on, uh, we got our boy Wes from the Hot and Reddies uh, living down here in D.C., Northern Virginia area these days, or are you in Maryland side? I can't remember where you're staying at. What's in the Maryland side? Um, well, my shop is actually in Maryland. It's in Prince George's County, which is, you know, it's right outside. Like, I'm just a few miles from the border of Southeast D.C., but I live right now, like, right outside D.C. on the Virginia side, so okay. kind of in a weird place. Yeah. So. It's super funny for those who don't know, like, the area where we're at. It's just like, all right, cool, you kick up to Northern Virginia, and it's like Virginia, D.C., Maryland, like, all, like, connected. You can be back and forth like across three borders now, like, dc's all its own long. state <laughs> yeah it's like yeah it's, it's strange it's like one entity kind of it's like one whole unit so it's like a lot of the people in this area just like consider it one area and just do whatever so pg county the dmv baby yeah dmv pg county yeah i've been in pg county as far as the shop goes for well, I've moved shops a few times, but I've been in PG County the whole time, so I've been here for like six years now. Damn, dude. That's a long time. It flew by. Yeah, it no flew by. Rock, bro. Yeah, it flew by, definitely. Like, um, I'm actually originally from the area. I grew up in Alexandria, which is like the neighboring city in Virginia to D.C. Damn. So I grew up around here, then moved to Chicago, then traveled around a bunch, and eventually ended up coming back like six years ago. Yeah. And actually, I was considering. Remember, I was considering coming to Richmond at that time too. When I first moved back, I was, I was just keeping Richmond because it was close enough to. Uh, I was like, maybe I should start a shop out here. But mm-hmm. I, I ended up having a, a getting a good deal on a shop space up here, and just decided to make the move. Yeah, yeah, dude. Now you're still here, dude. Just doing the thing. Are you in stiff competition yeah, with here. those classified moto dudes and everybody else? Yeah, that was like one deterrent. Of like, well, I was just like, I mean, for any up and coming shop owner, you're looking for cheap space. You're looking for cheap space with, you know, good electricity, good amenities, and like a population that wants 
motorcycles, at least for what I was doing, or wants or needs fabrication. Yeah. So it, it really boiled down to not really the competition, but I knew DC has a lot of people in their 20s and 30s. They got money because, like, you know, they're working for the government most likely or their contractors. Mm-hmm. So they have money, and then motorcycles started to get really popular when, like, custom bikes or vintage bikes started to get a lot more popular when I first moved back. So I was like, man, maybe DC is the move because there's no real, you know, fab-centric shop. There's no one really working on vintage bikes. There are a few shops here and there, which, you know, they come and go. But, uh, you know, it just seemed like the right move. Like, uh, I actually had an uncle that owned, like, a 12,000-square-foot shop in Prince George's County. And I was like, I don't know. Prince George's County is kind of sketch. And then I went to, <laughs> you know, I was like, this might not be the move. But uh, I came there, and he was like, listen, I'll give you this, like, it was like a 15 foot by 15 foot square space at first. Yeah. He was like, I'll give you this for 400 bucks a month. And I was like, deal, let's do it. Yeah. So I'm, I literally moved back with like just the tools in my truck. And like, I think I had like a thousand bucks or something stupid like that. And I was like, all right, let's do it. Yeah, dude. Getting after your dream, like fucking making it happen. That's tough. Yeah. That's nothing. A thousand bucks is peanuts up there. Oh, dude. It, it, it the, the thousand bucks disappeared really quickly, <laughs> but I, I was, uh, lucky i was lucky enough to like find like a weird craigslist ad that was like looking for someone to prototype military style scooter and i was like what the fuck is what what is this you know (laughs) so i hit up this dude and i sent him like my portfolio of just just like chassis work like stuff that i've built in the past just pertaining to like frames and chassis work for cars stuff like that and he was like dude like when can i meet you up so he had this weird, like, weird plan to build this, like, military scooter and market it to militaries around the world of, like, this compact, foldable, like, off-road scooter based on, like, a, you know, like a Honda Cup-style motor, like a, yeah. you know, like a 125cc four-stroke, like, scooter motor. So I built this prototype for him, and that gave me a little bit of breathing room for the next, like, coming months because it was a pretty big project. And I built him his first couple prototypes, and... Eventually, I believe he got it mass produced or tried to get it mass produced, but I don't, I don't think he was able to sell it to anyone. Yeah. I mean, imagine like being in war and like seeing a dude right past <laughs> you on like a, like a fucking scooter there, you know. Yeah, so, you don't, you no, don't even no, shoot that person. They're already having a terrible day. Yeah. Scoot just like, look at this. It's like, look at this motherfucker just like cruising by like in Fallujah on a fucking scooter. Like. Yeah, you just wait until he gets a little closer and you know he's going to break down and then shoot him. Right around on yeah, the yeah. bike. <laughs> he, and like, yeah, he'd be pressuring me. He was like, oh, I got like this this guy in Thailand. He, he's a general in the Thai army. I was like, you're telling me you're going to be riding through like jungles <laughs> and shit in Thailand on this? I was like, dude, someone's going to die, dude. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I ended up doing that first project for him and then I still had connections in the area from when before i'd moved Mm -hmm. so i knew the guys that i knew that i was kind of building cars with and stuff they all all had all kind of moved forward in their lives and all had shops at this point so i I still had a few connections here and there and i got hooked up with a bunch of the first clients and things started rolling from there that's awesome well let's uh let's go back dude let's go back to what you when you first got into mopeds i don't know if you were in them when into them when you were in virginia or if it was wasn't until you made it to chicago well coincidentally in my like like middle school so i grew up on a richmond highway i grew up on route one in alexandria so if anyone knows that area they know it's it's a little sketch you know so a lot of like a hood rat shit was going on and i'm still still going on but a lot a lot of like 
you know, dirtbaggery was going on at the time. So I must have been like 13 or 14 and like my friends ended up like stealing a moped, you know, stealing a moped from someone they knew, which is like, you know, it's terrible. I know, but, yeah, but that's like the they ended shit. up. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we didn't know anything about how to, we were all into like cars and stuff like that. But like a friend of mine ended up stealing this Tomos. It was a Targo, right? And it was kidding. It had an aerosol, it had a bi turbo on it. And at the time, this must have been like mm. New Jersey. 2001. That's yeah, yeah. 2000. That was at least 60 miles like, an hour. Yeah, this is this is like pre ordering shit on the internet. This was like, you got to get it from your local, like, moped shop part, you know? Bit turbo. So like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He had the bi turbo, he had the fucking aerosol on it. And it, it probably went like, you know, like 40 miles an hour. And like, that was my first experience with the moped, but you know, in the next coming years, my friends would start getting like street bikes and start start getting into cars and stuff. So I never really like took an interest in moped in my younger years. Like I know a lot of people, you know, like grow up with mopeds. Like I remember seeing this one picture of Nash Wiley. He's like he's like seven years old next to a moped. I'm like, okay, yeah, but uh, I never really, yeah, yeah, I never really got into them. I started getting into street bikes more and started getting into you know cars and stuff. But yeah. stuff happened when I moved. Interested in, yeah. I never, yeah, yeah. I never, I never even saw a moped when I was younger, dude. Like twelve, I would 13, see him around. Like, I never yeah. saw one. Like I saw dirt bikes, and I was like, oh man, that dirt bike's cool. And like little kids in my neighborhood and suburbs and shit had like in those little go peds and shit. Like yeah. But, you know, never saw a moped. We yeah, it was, it was. Yeah, they they were around for us too, but you know, like, say I was thirteen then. By the time I was fourteen, my like sixteen year old friends were, were already getting like cars and doing stuff. Them and they were getting like dirt bikes or even street bikes and stuff at the time. So it was like, you mean getting them or boosting them? <laughs> getting them. They were getting them. They were legitimately getting them. Like I, I had a friend. I had a friend that you know he was fourteen years old and somehow he had like a honda cruiser but when he was like 14 and i remember like him having like a like a car battery strapped to the back of it with like you know like just the started and stuff it was some sketchy shit but you know they were already getting into faster stuff and i was you know you know years later i would you know get a street bike and get more interested in the vintage stuff but it really happened when i moved to chicago and when i met tom so was tom that's like, when i started was tom was one of the first like mopeders you met he was like the first mopeder that I really like hung out with and it's because we went to school to with each other and uh it was like I was I still had a street bike when I moved to Chicago I brought it with me and I, I don't you know I would park it at the bed in the back of my apartment and lock it up and stuff it eventually got stolen in Chicago but uh, <laughs> full circle <laughs> yeah 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 full circle got stolen but uh like I had a class kid, get your shit stolen yeah yeah um but I, I had a class with Tom and I don't, you know, for people that don't know Tom, Tom is like essentially the founder of the hot and ready. And he's essentially like the hot and ready's built their whole persona on kind of like Tom's ideas and style and kind of approach to mopeds. So like I had a class with him and he knew I was like at the time, like riding street bikes and stuff. And he was like, Hey man, you ever, uh, you ever, uh, think about riding some mopeds? And I was like, fuck no, I don't want to ride any mopeds. But then like, you know, and at the same time I was working for the school too. So I was working in the, I was working for the school, teaching other students how to use tools, basically like how to use tools safely, like machinery safely. Like, cause I was already doing a lot of fabrication at that time. I kind of, when I got to school, I kind of knew that like, 
I don't think I'll be able to make it as like a white wall space artist. I'm probably more suited for like artistic fabrication and yeah. building art for other people, essentially. You know, what, what was the name so, of that school again? Because I know, like, I feel like that was like, uh, a like, big spot for like a lot of hot and ready's. Yeah, yeah, it's a school of the Art Institute of Chicago, so it's SAIT, and uh, you know, most of the first generation of hot and ready's were either alumni or dropouts from that school. So that's that's kind of how that first generation of hot and ready's all knew each other was kind of from that school and the association with that school. But uh, I I ended up working for the school. Like I showed a little bit of promise with fabrication stuff. I was already a good welder at the time. I had been welding before I like uh, came to the school. And uh, Tom was coming in all the time. Tom was coming into like the metal shop all the time and like building like the fucking wackiest shit like I've ever seen. And it was funny because uh, I spent the summer, like, school ended for the year, and I decided to stay over the summer and keep working for the school for some extra money and then, like, you know, explore the city and that kind of stuff. But Tom had summer school at the time. So Tom, Tom would be coming in, and I had specially requested from the director of that department, like, oh, uh, you know, the shop doesn't have, like, a, a tube bender, like a nice tube bender. It's like, what do you, you know, how, how can we get a tube bender? And I kept asking the shop director like you know semester after semester after semester for and he finally like acquired like a pretty badass tube bender and once that kind of came into the shop tom was there all the time like mm-hmm. starting to build his first frames and stuff so I, I i'd check out what he'd be doing and you know there's not a fucking measuring device in sight you know just like no frame jig no nothing you know just and then i started making it happen yeah yeah basically just like experimenting with stuff and uh, I, sh- I started to show Tom how to, like, you know, put together a frame jig or, like, you know, figure out geometry on stuff. And then he was like, uh, you know, you should we should hang out more often kind of thing. And then he took me to Tony's house. I'm sure everyone knows Tony. He took me to Tony's house for the first time, and, like, my mind was, like, blown. I was like, there must have been, like, 30 mopeds in, like, a shed. And I was like, I've never seen any of this kind of stuff. I've never seen, like you know, any of these brands of mopeds before. Like, I didn't know what, like, a, any kind of Italian bikes were. I, I, I had probably seen a Pook one time in my life. I'd never seen a Hobbit before. And they had derbies at this time, too. So I was like, I had I had no idea what any of this stuff was. But they also had motorcycles, too, there. And kind of started catching my interest. So on more of, like, a social aspect, like, I became friends with them before, like, the mopeds. And then slowly like i started to get absorbed into the culture you know yeah like they they'd leave for a weekend like the whole group of the first generation of hot rings would leave for a weekend and then they would just not stop talking about the rallies and stuff and i was like man this this just sounds pretty cool yeah where so are my friends like, going they're all gone <laughs> yeah yeah they're like all right Wes, we're going to uh nashville for the weekend like we'll see you later i'm like for what they're like we're going to a rally i'm like what the fuck even is that you know yeah. like, i think that was my first time like meeting hot and was uh in the at a nashville rally it was that i remember that one me and you were playing we we're playing uh threes at a table oh, for like yeah. hours yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, pull up to we're this, playing trips so we go to this fucking I've, we've talked about this trip before i think it was the episode we did with robert barrow yeah because we rode to chicago in the back of his van with no seats sean was <laughs> sean was the exhaust the, straight piped into oh, the yeah. back Sean's like freaking the fuck out because there's no seatbelt, no seats, and he's just like half dosed on like some Zans or something, just like waking up from like a, a sleep every time the van would shake. He'd be, ah, ah, what's going on? What's going on? 
Like that's how I am, man. Yeah, I thought he was gonna. That die. rally got super weird. That rally got real weird. It man. was like, that, dude, he showed up in that field. We fucking gambled. Like he's walking the spot. I'm like meeting Hirons for the first time. Or if it's you like, explain this to anybody else, they're gonna be like, "This is awesome to you." Yeah, like, dude. We pulled you rode in a van with no seats, with a guy freaking out on drugs, <laughs> and you pulled up to like your weekend vacation to a fucking field. Oh, it was like a campsite field. Oh, it was massive though. Huge, it was it, it, it was like a farm. Yeah. How were the facilities? Oh, we don't have a bathroom. No, there was a bathroom. Hell no, no was there bathroom. was a, there was like a there was like a little coach house out there yeah. somehow that had like plumbing, electricity. They had a, like a little bar they had in a there. Little bar. They had a corner store. They had like an outdoor yeah. stage, so we had music bumping. So we were just like dancing yeah, naked was... in the field. Oh yeah, and you were you were like emceeing a lot of that <laughs> night too. I remember. I mean, me and Tom were like. We were pretty far out there on shrooms that night, so <laughs> when, once the, once once they started lighting up fireworks and stuff, it got a little bit wild. Dude, but uh, fireworks, yeah, that was stop. good. Yeah, no, dude, all the Nashville rallies at that time. I mean, they don't have many more, but the Deadheads really put on some good rallies at that time. They were really fun. Like the the two before that were pretty amazing too. They always that small like club managed to like throw out some big big rallies. And but, the trace uh, is yeah. beautiful. Like if you like enjoy like a scenic ride where it's no stop signs, you just get an open rip. Like oh dude, it the was fucking so fun. trace is yeah. fucking awesome. I know like the, yeah, the younger on, club on the out bridge, there. yeah. The, God, you remember the name of the younger club out there now? I want to no, say it's no, the fucking man. the dogs or the fucking Diamond Dogs. Diamond Dogs. I think yeah. it's Diamond Dogs. I think yeah. that's there, what's there now. They they just aren't they, those guys are in Louisville though, aren't they? I can't remember. I can't remember what club it is, but there's one club that's out there because I know. Um, damn, uh, homie from QCB just moved out there, and nasty action. And they're fucking. They're ripping it up out there, man. I I can't remember. I'll remember what it is later. I can't but, remember shit, man. Yeah, my head's yeah, in a thousand different places. But Adolfo it. moved out there, and uh, and like they're still riding the trace just for fun, dude. I'm like, I'm trying to. Oh, do that. That road is amazing, yeah. But if you don't have a bike that can make, I think it's like a fifty mile ride. So it's like if your bike's not up to it, there's a lot of breakdowns in Nashville. I remember that just because. Is it just a straight know, fifty mile no stop A to B? Uh, essentially, yeah. I mean, there's there's a few like small stops and stuff like that, but some great it's just overlocks. like a beautiful yeah, it's a, just a beautiful mountain path going through bridges and there's like lots of elevation changes and stuff. So it's like. If your bike's not like happy with any of that, like you know, you're gonna know pretty quick. So and shout out, we got figured it out. It's Daggers Moped Club. Daggers Moped yeah, Club. The okay. Daggers. They should throw a rally pretty soon. Oh, uh, they threw one last year, yeah. and they and they went to the they went they did the trace, and they went to that like crazy bridge where we took all those old pictures from. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. That bridge is insane, man. Because oh, it's super like, crazy. It's so high in the air. Yeah, it's yeah, pretty but, scary, actually. But. but they, uh, they were like below it and shit, and it got caught. In, the whole ride got caught in the rain during the rally, like crazy mm. storm. Yeah, that was wild too. Speaking of crazy storms, uh, there was a Louisville rally where they took us to a fucking quarry. <laughs> they took us to this. They took us to this quarry that had since been filled up with water, so it became like a like a man made lake essentially. So, like, on that rally, like, I brought, like, one set of clothes, you know, a book bag, one set of clothes, and, like, that's it. And, like, it was real hot the first day. So, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to cut my shorts into fuck. I mean, I'm going to cut my jeans into shorts. It seemed like a perfectly, like, great idea at the time. But then, like, night came, and it just stormed the next two days. And I didn't even bring a tent. So, I remember, like, being, like, huddled around the fire, like, 
in a thunderstorm, not being able to sleep, like next to Sharon Moon, like, I'm, dude, that was so miserable. I don't think I slept at all that weekend. Sharon Moon, we love you. Sharon Moon. <laughs> Sharon. Sharon. The moped goddess, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dual membership, Sharon. Dual membership, Sharon. <laughs> <laughs> Sharon Moon, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean that's that's essentially how I got into mopeds it's through Tom and like um, I don't know, man. Like um, I just I just the hot roadies just became my family basically. So the first rally I went to, and this was before I was even a prospect, was a uh, it was like Ghost Ride in in uh, Grand Rapids. So for for people that don't know, Ghost Ride used to be like. As far as the Midwest, like it used to be the like the rally to go to, either that or like a petty cash rally. But mm-hmm. it used to be the one to go to because those dudes like go all out, or they did at the time. Because you know that's when like uh, like Jonah, Matt Aberly, like Pat Perry, that's when they were like really really active at the time. So yeah. they would they would always throw a banger, and eventually all those guys became black black. But uh, it was an amazing time. Like that first rally, I was like, I need to do this. I need a, I need to build a moped. Yeah. What did you ride at that first one? Uh, Tom let me borrow a Gorelli Supersport, which is not a bad loaner. It had like a Polini kit. It had like a PHPG on it. Like it was, but uh, of course, like being Gorelli, I blew up the fucking clutch like on the first ride. So then I forgot what, it, oh, then he had like this uh, Minarelli he built that was like, style like a, like a GT road race bike. And he let me ride that for the rest of the weekend. He was just like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to like hang out with people and drink or do whatever. You can't hide it ready the rest of the weekend. <laughs> yeah. He was just like, you can, you can ride this like, you know, like 60 mile an hour, like V1. I was like, sick. So I ended up riding that for the rest of the rally. But yeah, that rally I rode, I rode that Gorelli uh, SSXL, which was not a bad loaner. It was like, at the time it was like purple and black. So it was like, I don't know, man. But I was like, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, that was that was my first introduction to like moped gangs and then like just like the experience of the rally. I mean, I'm sure rallies are different for everybody, but I was like, I've never seen like a bunch of punks party so hard in my life in like a three-day span. I was like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I feel like all those rallies back then were super fun. Those like some of my first ones and like and you know, I've heard people talk about the whole thing with like your age. Like when you're younger, you're just like going there and you're just wiling the fuck out. And like I feel like now when I go to rallies it's like we're way more tame. I'm watching. <laughs> I'm waiting for the other guy. And be like, oh, someone's supposed to be in a shit show. I'm like, Oh yeah? Where? Let me I wanna let me get my chair. I wanna go see I mean, this. I know the hot and ready's were supposed to throw a rally this past summer for yeah, our 10 year anniversary. Yeah, 10 year. So, I mean, I was definitely going to go, I went to the actual last hot and ready's rally and I went there actually with a uh, Dave Fordette. Okay. Yeah. Rest that was the, rest, that, that rest in peace Dave. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so me and Dave went together, but, uh, you know, we actually, I actually brought like brought three motorcycles. down, mm-hmm. <laughs> And then, uh, I let Dave ride my, like my fucking race bike, like my race Harley. And then, like, I rode, what did I ride? I rode, like, a CB750, I think. But, uh, yeah, I went to the last one. And, yeah, things change, you know. Things yeah. things change. And, like, the club has definitely changed. It's, like, the third or fourth generation of Hot and Ready. So, it's, mm-hmm. like, it don't feel the same. But, I mean, it's still fun. It's yeah, so, it's still I'm, like, heads. I'm down with it. Yeah. It's funny because it's, like, 
I went to that rally and I'm kind of inactive. I'm pretty inactive. I am inactive, let's say. But <laughs> yeah. I was like, how I inactive like, are you? How many mopeds <laughs> do you currently own? I'm like, I got one moped right now. So, um, still got one. On. I still got one. Yeah, still got one. Um, one non-running moped. <laughs> not running, it runs. It's good. It's good. I probably haven't started it in like three years, but I'm sure. I'm sure it could still. It could still run. Three years it is a could. long stretch, hey, man. Randwick Park. Yeah. Yeah. Randwick Park. Randwick Park still for sale. Thousand dollars. Barn fine. Yo, Barn the fresh. gas in that thing. Yeah, the gas in that thing is probably like black now. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I mean. I'm 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 gonna be super stoked when they actually do the ten year anniversary one. We can all get back together because I was really looking forward to seeing some of the older members, but not most of them couldn't make it out. But I still got to see like Tony and Elise and Will. You know, a lot of the older members still live there. Like Daniel still lives there, so it's like it was good hanging out with them. It was a good time, and that's actually when I requested like I'm thinking about you know retiring from the club for the you know for for the time being at least just like i'm not like an, i'm not, not playing any active role i live so far away and it's just like yeah. i don't know how useful i am to you guys and it's just like time to join black black how did you yeah, you know how did, how did it feel like going through that like whole period though like was would you have like a prospect period for the club like when before you joined or was it just like i did have a prospect period and um it was it was from the first rally to the first rally I went to, which was a uh, Ghost Rack Five, I believe, to the end of uh, the fucking rally. The fucking rally was a uh, the collaboration rally between Petty Cash and Hot Ready. Mm-hmm. So that was a rally we were hosting. We had a lot of like expectation to throw a killer rally at the time. Like there was, I mean, in rally numbers, I think there were over like three hundred people at that rally. So. I don't, I mean, that's pretty big for, I feel like a rally, but yeah, the Chicago rallies are, big. yeah, for the Chicago rallies, I mean, the Chicago rallies are always big, so, but yeah, I mean, so I started being a prospect after, after Grand Rapids, and then I got in after fucking rally, like they, 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 uh, they, uh, patch me in, <laughs> like right after, right after that rally, but, uh, it was funny because I didn't have a bike for that rally, so I had like, like, maybe like two months to put together my first bike. So before, before fucking rally. And then I was like, Oh, what am I going to do? And then I got a tip that Johnny Walker from, uh, ACR who lives in Chicago, um, had a Honda Hobbit that was like in pieces. And I was like, Oh, okay. I was like, so I meet him up and I go into this, like, you know, like decrepit basement and in like a box is like a yellow PA 52. Like all in pe- everything was there, but it was just like broken down to pieces. Yeah, and I was like, and uh, Tom told me to get this bike. He was like, "You're gonna." He, he like knew my history for motorsport stuff, and he was like, "You would probably want a variated bike. That's something you would probably like." So if you're gonna try to get something, he was like, "You don't got any derby money right now, but you, got, <laughs> you probably got some. You probably got some Hobbit money." Yeah. So uh, Johnny poor, Walker, poor man's cheater bike. Yeah, exactly. So Johnny Walker sold me this. Uh, hobbit in a box for 150 bucks nice and i had yeah and i didn't you know i didn't know how to put it together there's not like no shop manual i can get for that so it's like you know over the course of the next two months i built that bike and right off the bat i was like crank athena tjt like everything i could throw at it and this was this was before like this was before trick metric was around so everyone was like tapping their like cases and like doing weird shit to do a to try to make them spin. They all had air leaks. 
But coincidentally, at the time, I was working for a machine shop. This is right after I graduated from school. So I was working for a local machine shop. So I made like a Dio adapter in the shop. I just, you know, got like a little piece of billet aluminum, just like matched all the templates and just like carved it out on the mill. And it worked. So I, and then I, you know, had like a 21 OKO on it, which, I mean, it's debatable if that's a good carb or not. For the money, it's a great carb. But uh, yeah, I mean, and then I got it running the night before the rally started. So untested, yeah, untested. I'm like ripping this thing down, like, you know, the Wacker Tunnel and shit going like 50 miles an hour. It was pretty, it was a pretty good thing. So it's all about the untested bike, though. That's always a great experience. Like, I know. Oh, this is before, like, it was a normal thing to have temp gauges, too. It's like, no one knew what the, you know, it's like, we didn't know any of that, you know. Fuck it, temp gauge. You have a temperature ear when you hear that, bitch. Smell it, dude. Smell it in the distance. Yeah, your temp gauge is a guy riding behind you. He's like, yo, you're running hot. I smell it. (laughs) Oh, yeah, dude, yeah. I mean, I'm just, like, trying to change jets on it and do all this, like, you know, change my plugs all the time. I I didn't know what I was doing at the time because, you know, moped tuning is so so like hyper specific you know yeah it's like it's unlike tuning any other kind of motor like it can be simple but at the time there were resources i guess to tune them and there were people that knew how to tune them really well but like i didn't know any of that i didn't have a temp gauge but somehow that bike survived that weekend That's so. sick. Dude, I know, like, yeah i mean I, when i first came to chicago it was like and i like hung out with you like we were fucking nerding out at the castle about uh about like hobbit shit you're just like Oh, check out my Athena. Like, you got to port it. You got to, like, add this metal to the cases and, like, open that oh, shit dude, way like, up. No, dude. Like, uh, so I had this. I got. After that, I got really into Hobbit. And, like, um, I wanted to do the 50 on 50, right? The 50, the 50 on 50 with a Hobbit. Because I had not really heard of anyone doing that at the time. And I was so. I started looking at all the pistons for all the kits. And. And like looking at Athena kits and DR kits or whatever, metric kits, whatever have you. And uh, I ended up figuring out that like, if you look at a DR piston, it's got a window cut into it, you know? Mm-hmm. It's got like 360 timing, you know? But like a normal stock piston, it doesn't have a window cut into it. So I basically copied a DR piston into a stock piston. And then like, you know, I poured, it was like a mild port on it, like nothing crazy because you, you kind of want to keep the velocity in the motor. You don't want to make it too open it's not it's not going to have enough like i don't know how to devin devin from motion left explains to me it's like you want to have a certain amount of like pressure and velocity in the motor to make a certain type of power if you poured it too big then it's just like it takes way too long to get to that power you know yeah but uh i ended up hitting like 51 miles an hour on that 50 cc hobby it's a stock cylinder like ported like modded the piston of course it had like tjt like i made weights for it you know and like I did all that shit, but like as far as the cylinder goes, yeah, stock carb too, just like drilled out stock carb. It's the amazing. It's amazing sick. what those. Yeah, it's amazing what you can do with those bikes. It's like, but uh, I, I I haven't really heard of anyone else doing it. It's really attainable though. But if you, it, it doesn't need to be anything crazy. But yeah, I had like TJT custom weight ported cylinder, modded piston. It had a crank in it because I was scared I was gonna break that. But it was on the stock cylinder. And what really inspired me to do that is like a, I don't know if you remember Josh from the Hot and Ready's. He, he did a 50 on 50 build with a, with a Pook. He used the Corrado cylinder and he case inducted the motor. So he blocked off the top, you know, he blocked off the intake port. And then, um, yeah, he like, uh, 
he did a case induction somehow, like or he bought a case that was already done, and then he used a Corrado, a, a Corrado cylinder, mm. and basically modded everything else, and he was able to break fifty on that. And I was like, damn, that's that's like the holy grail for like <laughs> mopeds, you know? It's like doing fifty on fifty. It's like even the I mean, fifty you, on fifty shit though. It's like it's so slow, like everywhere else until, yeah. you finally, oh, until you finally get to 50 it takes it's like you got to match everything perfectly like you got to have like the right pipe like you can't try to build that cylinder with like a fucking like humongous expansion chamber it's never gonna hit it you know you got to build it with like i think i did it with like a hack boss pipe it was like tiny but it was like the perfect size for it but that's actually the bike i ended up taking on the first pinball run so oh yeah, yeah. still 50 cc uh, so I had a DR kit originally, and I blew that up the first fucking day. Oh, <laughs> bummer. And then, but then I wanted to keep going, so I had I had that cylinder, and I put that cylinder on. That's what I finished the trip on. Dude, that's crazy. But how, I, how I remember pinball run. Yeah, this is the original oh, pinball run too. For those who don't know, this is like the very first. the very first one before it changed to being Baker's dozen, and the the rides yeah, got so- smaller. Like. These were like the 300 mile journeys per day. Yeah, the very first one, I mean, I haven't been on a second one since. I would love to do one in the, at some point again, but next the year is actually supposed to be smaller. They, they were going to do it this year, but they rescheduled it for next year. It's called uh, Baker's Dozen uh, Dragon, Dragon Slayer. And it's, uh, it Kill starts in Virginia, it starts in Richmond, and it's like a zigzag kind of thing i can't remember what the route is we looked it up another last week or something but it's on their website yeah it pops into tennessee west virginia yeah but the last day is only like six or eight hours from richmond or from virginia oh damn so it's not like it doesn't go super far like away from virginia so next year is super obtainable if you want to do it nice nice probably not <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah the first pinball run i think was I mean, no one had done anything like this. People have done similar things, I think, you know, like Moped to South America kind of stuff, but like no one had ever done it on this scale before. So it was, it was like a new thing. And there were teams that were ultra prepared. There were teams that were not so prepared. We ended up coming in second place. Uh, Black Flock actually got first place <coughs> on that with, the, with <laughs> yeah, with their Cobra. Yeah. That was that was insane watching that Cobra like on GPS. Oh but, yeah, uh, the glimpse of it doing seventy four miles an hour for hours. Yeah, we were the like back of a truck. Oh no, full tuck, seventy four miles an hour just for. Ooh, what for motor hours. was on that thing? A Pook. It was E fifty. Yeah, it was E fifty. E fifty. Yeah, and yeah. Just like I remember, everyone's watching, just like I can't believe they're going this fast. Like this can't be real. Dude, I remember that bike. We were leaving Daytona Beach, right? So this is towards the end of the trip. We we're leaving Daytona Beach, and they were going up the hill. And the main, he had a lightened main gear in that E50, and it just like shattered and blew a hole in the case, and like the crank was just falling out of the bottom of the case. And like they changed that mo, they changed that motor out in like 20 minutes. They had another one in, they had another motor in the van ready to go. Like they slapped it in, they kept going, dude. They were definitely the most prepared team. They like they rented a van, you know, once they got to Maine, they rented a van. They had spare motors, they had spare of every single part, like. They had they had a good plan. They had like probably the fastest, most reliable bike there. Yeah, and like that's like but, insane too to think. Just like I don't know many people who ride their mopeds and they're like, okay, cool, this is what's gonna happen. We're gonna get on, we're gonna twist it full throttle, and we're gonna leave it there. See what happens. Like no questions asked, no second guessing. 
Like, we're going to hold it wide open throttle until I get tired of riding. Oh, dude, it was so by the time I got to Richmond, so I, I made I made the trip from Brooklyn to Lancaster. So that was that was an interesting trip because I was going pretty slow. Uh, I didn't have the bike tuned right at the time just because like I switched cylinders the night before and had to ride first thing in the morning. So I made it out of Brooklyn, made it all the way to Lancaster. We partied in Lancaster. The next day, like I leave to Richmond, Lancaster to Richmond. And halfway through that trip, my bike stopped variating. I'm like, why, why is this thing not working? Why is this, you know? And I finally end up getting the chase truck behind me. I open up the variator and my weights literally Spin turned sideways. to fucking, no, no, no. They turned to dust. They were just crumbling. <laughs> uh. They're just like, I think they got stuck and the pressure from the variator just crushed them. So like I opened it up and just like pieces of my waist just came out. It's like the powdery so golf ball. Somebody fucking <laughs> played a mean trick on you and made some variator weights out of golf ball powder machine. Yeah. I was just like, what just happened? Like, you know, I've never I had never seen anything like that before. So like the endurance part of it is definitely something that, you know, I don't I don't know what bike I would take on. I'd probably Hobbit again, to be honest with you, because that's where most of my experiences is just like Hobbit and Derby stuff. But yeah. I think an E50 would be a good bet. I mean, it's definitely proved to be a winning, winning like combination. You know, it's like I feel like most people that have won pinball have done it on an E50, right? Um, last year's bigger dozen got one on a Hobbit. Okay. And was it Alex? <laughs> no, it was the it was the it was the boys from uh from Boston. Yeah, yeah they... that year, that first pinball, Alex brought that crazy water cooled Hobbit. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. the Ninja Hobbit. Yeah, yeah I was bro. like. This I was like, this dude's loco. I was like, oh, that thing was sick, what? dude. It was all crazy yeah. colored too. It had the pink radiator lines. Nuts. Everyone was oh, just dude, like, Yo. I remember on one leg of the trip, he showed up at camp at like three in the morning. He was like by himself. Oh, that was I the was one like, he like he missed the day. He got he broke down and didn't want to get in jace. He had to ride essentially two checkpoints and like all back to back. Yeah, he he and he did it, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Like we had we had him on an episode like a long time ago, dude. He talked about it. Yeah, dude. Yeah, it was pretty. By the time I got to Richmond, I was like scrambling. I was like, I remember asking you, like, dude, dude, do you have any? Do you have any barrier weights, man? Please, like, <laughs> like so desperate. And I actually helped rebuild my teammates' bike at the same night, so I didn't get any sleep that night and like kept on going. Pretty, Tom, we, Tom had this fucking the stalker Tomos, brand new. Yeah. Oh, dude, that was that was the move, man. And I thought that would have won it that year, right? It was close. No, it was it was close, but. His chain snapped like four miles from the finish line, and already at the time, I think Denver had like you know a couple minute lead already on us. So it's like, well, we came in a close second, and you know it wasn't a bad showing. We had a, they, the second the second place prize money was enough like gas money to make the trip all the way back to Chicago That's from tight. like uh from you know Key West, which is pretty wild. And yeah. we spent a couple extra days in Key West, which is nice, but it was definitely like the wildest moped thing i've ever done was like and you have to remember at the time me beery and tom all lived with each other at the castle oh yeah so it was initially beery's idea you know of course you know he was like we got to do it we got to do it so and then like tom was like okay i'm gonna do it so tom goes out and buys a brand new tomo (laughs) you know he's like there's no way i can lose there's no way i can lose That actually won. That won one year too. It did win one yeah. year. Yeah, one year brand new Tomos did. It's the not thing. a bad idea, you know. Like no, it's all not, brand yeah. new. It wasn't the fastest bike. It was just like you know, middle oh, middle so of the row. Consistent though, dude. He had like a 
I think he had like a trace pipe and like a 16 shawl on that thing or something like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. he went to, for the, yeah. for the uh, gas consumption route. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was, yeah, he, he, he had like the really most basic setup, but it just like worked. And like he would go like, you know, 46 miles an hour, 48 miles an hour, some, something like that. And like that was good enough to like stay in the race for most of the time. It was definitely wasn't the fastest, but it was probably one of the most reliable bikes. <laughs> Then you have like Sabat. Sabat like brings like a fucking Peugeot. We're like, you're out of your mind, dude. <laughs> yeah, there's no fucking way. <laughs> yeah, you're That's like, how I feel you like are if you crazy. bring a Vespa. I mean, I know the Vespa's a runner, but I'm like, anything with a belt variated shit for me, you know, pinball, I'm like, oh, it's just such too many variables. Team Vespa. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but the, I mean, you I gotta rather... give to Sabat. Sabat's a great mechanic. So he kept that thing on the road. Like he was working on it a lot, but he kept it on the road like constantly. Yeah. And he did it to prove a point. Because people were like, "There's no way a French bike can do this," and he was like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna show people that a French bike can do it." You know? Yeah. Dude, I've seen like, I think one year Rob Rito was, was trying to do it on a Moby K, and I sold him some parts. He just like gave up on it before they even started. Speaking like, of which, Rob Rito brought a fucking Condor, right? Yeah, we, oh, we yeah. talked about yeah. the, like, the fucking the cheater bike. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he ended up not winning, so we were like, <laughs> yeah, everyone was all like butthurt because he had like some super rare, like exclusive moped that no one's even seen in the states before. It's stock ADCC. Yeah, it's That's basically where the Gila kit came from. It's from the Condor. It's, okay. a, it's a Poop Condor top end. Exactly. Yeah. Like uh, right around when I first got into mopeds was when like you know the Gila kit and like the big metric kit. That's when they first started to get popular. Like 2008, 2009, people were figuring out that they would sit on E50s because that's the same stroke. They were like, oh, yeah, so people people were figuring that out at the time. That's when, I feel like right around when I got into mopeds is when they started to get, like, really fucking fast, you know? Like, Josh in our club built was building, like, you know, he was sending his cases out to machine shop and getting material added, like, porting everything to the fucking moon. Like, Josh actually had one of the first, like, experimental, like, motion left pipes, the like the like the BK the BK 100 and stuff like that like yeah, the yeah. first real the first real big motion left pipe Josh's bike was a test bike for all those like Devin met him at a rally he was like yo this thing's fast he was like do you want to come down to like Goshen sometime and test some pipes on this bike because he figured yeah he figured was it the because uh, did he have like the sticker bike or who owned that the was the 50 bike? on 50 bike okay. yeah the sticker bike was Josh's it was that was the 50 on 50 bike and but he had a he had a Pinto at the time. And at the time, Josh was just like a newly retired Volkswagen technician. So Josh is very mechanically able. So he, he was, he had a leg up on everyone. He, he had spent a lot of time in like a professional shop environment and knew how to like really put things together. So like I'm saying, like he found like the lightest possible chassis, which was like a Pinto. He had like, he made it super light, like no EVRs, no nothing, just like 1745 gearing, like, you know, 24, like TM24, you know, humongous pipe, like Gila. And this was like the first generation of those really fast spikes. And at the time, like, you know, Chris Stewart and Peter McDaniels were doing all the crazy stuff with Hobbits and everyone in California was doing crazy stuff with like derbies and French bikes and stuff. So it was a really interesting time for, for mopeds. Like, I feel like for me, at least it was like the golden age when a lot of innovation was being made. A lot of like new information was coming out. A lot of people had blogs and stuff. It was really cool. Yeah, we're actually during this conversation. I've been lurking the uh, the hotandready.com page. Just oh, the Tumblr. Just, yeah, just looking through the old Tumblr, man. And it's like there's <laughs> bangers in there, dude. There's like the the Hobbit with the rear the rear part of the frame cut in half and like flipped upside down, welded back together. Oh, that's Daniel's bike. Yeah, yeah. So that's like that's another Tom build. Tom has this like 
he has really good like spatial reasoning. He can look at something and kind of reconfigure it. Like I would have never thought to like chop up a Hobbit frame like that. You know, yeah, it's like most no people just. That. Yeah, yeah. Like kind of just I kind of learned a lot of that sensibility from Tom. Like the same way I did Noah's Hobbit frame. Mm-hmm. Like I short I shorted it in one place and then made it longer in another place. But it still keeps the stock like geometry. It still keeps the stock wheelbase, so it doesn't look crazy stretched out. Because yeah. the old thing to do was just to cut the mouth off and move it back, so you can fit a bigger reblock. But then Tom figured out if you cut a certain section out of the frame and just and miter cut it, like miter in a certain way, you can flip it over and just weld it back together, and it kind of looks normal, you know? Yeah, we saw your like your weird chopper bike that had the the horizontal motor. What was what was that one? Oh, that's the bike I still have. So that that bike, I got that bike at a rally in New York. Um, I got it at a Mission 23 rally, but it was at the original Second Strip location when uh, Ari was still there. Okay. And it, w- it was actually my birthday weekend, and I was there with Mike Beery. Uh, I was there with Will. And then uh, I saw that bike. It was just the frame and the wheel set like no tank but it had like fenders on it stuff i was like yo what kind of bike is this it was actually like an old indian dirt bike okay and i was like oh this is sick man and i was like yo how much do you want for this thing because i had been thinking about doing like you know kind of like a like a laguna style build for a while and i was like man this thing would be perfect for it It has like the right size and geometry and stuff and he was like you really want it man and i was like yeah dude i really want it he was like it's your birthday right and i was like yeah man he's like you can just have it and i was like oh Damn, sick that's tight. so he gave it to me and then as soon as i got back to chicago from that rally i started sourcing derby parts and i had seen sam from black black he built that piston port gila so you know this I don't, I don't know if that many people are doing this build anymore because piston ports are getting pretty rare. Mm-hmm. But you can put like a two top end on a on a piston port, you know. If you, yeah. it, that's what yeah, uh, you don't. It, that's what Hani had from yeah. Good Church. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've known Hani since high school. Actually, speaking of Hani, okay. but uh, yeah, we went to high school together. But and then he lived in Chicago for a long time, and he used to do some stuff at our shop too. But yeah, he 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 was inspired by my build to build that bike he had originally yeah because he saw mine back in like this is probably like 2012 or something like that but i found like a, a trash piston port motor found like a trashed gila kit and then at the time yeah it's just, you're just like this sounds terrible all right but um <laughs> no, no. sort of we're looking we're, we're but troubling the, the tumbler and some, a good photo popped up but uh at the time like um you know piston ports were i, I feel like they are so hard to find but they were kind of hard to find and there was not a lot of information on how to do this like cylinder exchange and Sam from black black pretty much walked me through everything. So, and at the time also I was getting slow from 1977 too. So they were giving me stuff, you know? Yeah. What's the advantage to putting that top in on? Fucking make it rip. Just that much better. Yeah. There, there just weren't any kind of like really powerful derby piston port kits around, or they were so rare, you know, it's like you might be able to find a metric kit for it, you know? And it was pretty limited. You might be able to find like a 65cc Metra. There was no like big bore, really big reed valve kit out there for it. And especially and if you did find one, it was going to be used. But Gila's were like hot and they were like reasonably affordable. So I eventually went with the Gila. And that thing was just, that's probably the fastest moped I've ever had. The, it, it, the top end wasn't like a Hobbit, but 
off the bottom, like nothing, nothing was faster than that in Chicago off the bottom end. Yeah. Like I've raced everyone in Chicago with that bike, like off the bottom, there is like really nothing that could catch it. It was just so powerful. And it ended up being so powerful. I snapped the output shaft in half. So I, I launched it off the line and then I just hear my, like, and then my, my motor just revs to the moon and I can hear my chain dangling no. and I get off the bike and I look at it and yeah, the alpha shaft had snapped in half and I'm like, all right, where the fuck am I going to find another derby motor? Yeah, that sucks. <laughs> so that was, a, that was an issue. So that's when I went to the, uh, those Frank and Marini motors Treats was selling the EW 50 motors. Mm-hmm. So I ended up getting, I don't know if anyone remembers this, but it was like a, they were selling these weird, like, Franco Marini, Moto Baton, dual variant in motors, like a horizontal motor. And all the parts are exchangeable as far as, like, the variation stuff. The clutch and the variator are all Vespa compatible. So you can put, like, a Polini yeah. clutch. Or a Polini, yeah, you can put a Polini variator on and stuff. Except and I, I think the thought, clutches are cooler on them. Yeah, yeah. Because you can add, yeah, like, I mean, a Tomo Springs to those clutches on the Marinis. Yeah, yeah, you can. You can do all kinds of cool stuff. There wasn't a lot of information when I got it at the time, but uh, I ended up getting the Melosi kit, kept the stock carb, and I, I made new motor mounts for it and put it on that bike, and the bike would still do like 55. It was it was pretty incredible. But and I still have, that's the only moped. Technically, not really a moped, but that's the only like, you know, small displacement bike I have now. I still have it, so. Yeah. Dude, I don't know. Shit was crazy back I, then. Yo, everyone was doing wild shit. <laughs> Everyone was doing really wild stuff, man. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool to watch. Like, uh, I would just see like weird stuff from people that like somehow worked. I was like, how is this like even possible? Like, uh, the same thing with like Josh doing like case and duck in the E50s back then. Like, it was just like really innovative at the time, and it was really exciting. But unfortunately, like I'm not so much in the scene right now that I don't really know what's going on. But I'm sure there's still some pretty cool stuff. I see like once in a while, I like have the itch to go look on treats and i'll see all these new manufacturers like american made parts for mopeds and stuff which is really cool so yeah it's a bunch of new stuff coming out like yeah. and you're seeing like a bunch of these like gy6 scooter kits with adapters popping up right now and like yeah yeah like, i mean like right when i was shit. yeah right when i was getting out that's when people started to really get into water cooling the hobbits too using like stage six kits or whatever and like mm-hmm. stuff like that i don't know i don't know Ranch was always a cool club too it was like for for being on the outside of that, like, or kind of on the inside, I guess, like trifecta shit or whatever. It's like, you guys always had like coolest art, like really sick designs. Like the style was like ratty, but like fast, like everyone was like cool guy, bad boy gang, you know? Yeah. It was a bad boy club for a while. And then like, it, I, I like to describe it as like the old smog squad kind of, you know, <laughs> ride tonight, die tonight. Yeah. Out, butts out. I and actually told that to Zach too. I was like, the last New Orleans rally I was at, I was like, man, this really reminds me of like what Hot and Ready's felt like in those like early years. And it was a really fun time, man. It's like we would all in living with Mike Beery, it's like we would just like ride all the time everywhere. Yeah. And the castle and we was got, a sick we, spot. Just like having I guess like if you would look on Moped Army, you'd like look on the wiki and you see like the section where they talk about like uh moped houses and it's like that was one of those things like hot and Rain's had like a moped house where it's like you have 20, 30, 50 bikes. A place, oh, there were, a there place was, to ranch, at one point, all your, house, there, all all your boys. there was 80, there was 80 bikes that's in that place at one time. And a mini like, ramp. 
yeah, mini ramp. And like, it was, it was a really an amazing time. And I like, I actually like hit up Tom like semi frequently, like every few months, I'll like give him a call and like, man, I can't express how thankful I am for Tom for like, give me the opportunity. Cause that's really like kind of what started me wanting to open up my first shop. Like I had that environment where everything was possible. You know, it was just like, this is what it would be like to run a shop on a daily basis. Cause I was like, the unofficial like superintendent and like shop manager of the castle, you know? <laughs> so, so at the time I was like, man, I could maybe do this, you know? And then this is like, after I had worked for Brighton Bees, I worked for Emmanuel for some time. And then I ended up working with uh, Devin as Indigan was going. And then he was just starting Janice at the time too. And then after that, I worked for Dan at 77. So I made like, a lot of connections and I saw a lot of interesting things. Like I think Dan, I'm really thankful for Dan too. Cause Dan showed me what it's like to like build a brand, you know, like I was with him like at his place in Kalamazoo and he'd be like packaging new products fresh off, like from powder coating, packaging them himself, like grassroots style. And I was like, man, like if you really want to do it, like it is totally possible. And like it, he, he's really like a big inspiration to me. It's like, Dan's like a dreamer. He's like the quintessential dreamer. Like he, he has an idea and he always follows through on that stuff. So it's like, it was really cool watching someone from mopeds really progress into making it like a career. And Dan really helped me do that. Yeah. One sec. How would you say like mopeds have like helped you like, and what you're doing now, like with motorcycles and mechanics and machining I know you got the race Harley and stuff too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing motorcycles help me with is maybe not so much at the mechanical side of stuff, but like being able to go places and learn things from other people is what I took from mopeds the most. Like when I was working for Indigen, a lot of my job was to like go out to rallies and see what is popular and see what, guys are doing and i would go to like middle of fucking nowhere like Cocaine. i remember i was at <laughs> <laughs> yeah no um uh, no but i'd, I'd meet <laughs> i meet i'd meet guys in like like kansas city missouri that had like a basement full of derbies and they were building and doing stuff that no one else was so it was just like that's what i took away from it i think is just like knowing that people are out there and doing stuff that you haven't even thought of, you know? It's like, it, Moped was such a kind of even playing field. It was so accessible. It, like, kind of gave me the guts to, like, man, maybe I can do this. Maybe I can open up a motorcycle shop. Like, I wonder what that would be like. And then, you know, years later, like, I had the opportunity to come back home and, like, kind of try. And it's worked out pretty successfully. Like, I'm able to make, like, a pretty decent living. Like, things are stable. And, like, and I get to work on fun stuff, but... Nowadays, it's like I'm walking a little bit further away from doing so much service. I'm not doing that much service and repair work anymore. I'm mainly doing like more fabrication work, and I'm starting to get more and more back into cars. Like I'm subcontracting at another shop right now that I mainly work on like pre-1970 cars and stuff like that, like doing panel work for them. Just because honestly, like it's, it pays the bills really well. But yeah, I'm, I'm living. Yeah, survive. Yeah, it's hard to make it's hard to make money on mopeds. It's 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 you got to do it for the love, you know. And that's like another thing I took away too. It's just like there's a lot of passionate people in this industry that are like 
they do it because they enjoy it. Like Dan Kastner, you know, like, you know, you know, he does it because he loves mopeds, you know? Yeah. So it's like, I like put it in my mind that it's like, if I really love doing this fabrication work and chassis design and stuff like that, like it's definitely possible. And, you know, if I did it with no investment at, at all. I did it with no like capital investment. I did it with no savings. I just like kind of went for it and I got really lucky and I met a lot of good people and I had, I had resources and connections and that's how I kind of did it. Oh yeah. And you took risks. Yeah. I took big risks. Yeah. Yeah. I took humongous risks and like during that time too, it's like uh, my first big build, like I was doing, it was just like, all right, like uh, this customer wants like an inverted front end on like a 91 Honda CB750. It's like, but he wants spoked wheels on them. So I'm just like, how am I going to do this? And I was like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> I don't know I'm going to do it, but I'm going to figure it out. And this is before like I had any kind of real tooling, you know, I had like, I had like a TIG welder and like your basic hand tools. This is before I had like a mill and lathe and like, you know, bigger tooling and stuff like that. So it's like, I look back at that time and I'm like, I, I always think like anything is totally possible. If you're really dedicated and you have the drive, it's like, it's really possible. The biggest issue I think with guys like me and custom builders is getting burnt out because most of the guys in my industry that are doing what I do, they work alone. So it's like, they just get beat down. So it's like knowing how to pace yourself and to explore new avenues to do things is really important too. Like, for me, I started getting really into CAD and 3D printing and CNC stuff mm -hmm. just because I, I know I'm not going to be able to do what I'm doing by the time I'm like 45, 50 years old. It's like I'm not going to physically be able to do this as with the intensity I do right now. So it's like figuring out ways to continue doing the stuff you love, but in kind of a more, you know, a better environment for your body, you know. So it's like I'm transitioning a little bit. Like I'm working with other people, especially with like automotive stuff. Cause mm -hmm. just because I know in the future that's going to be able to sustain stuff. But like, and a big part of me is like, sometimes I think it will be more fun if I just build bikes as a hobby because it was more fun when I built it as a hobby and didn't have to like rely on it to survive, you know? Yeah. Makes but, take some of the stress out of it. Yeah. Waiting for the oh, yeah, paycheck like, at the end of the month if they're going to pay you. The yeah, pro that's, the progress I mean, you're, paycheck. Yeah. Thomas, you're still in the body industry, right? Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm working closely with, like, a big body shop right now. Doing, I do all the restorations and stuff. So it's just, like, the way that money comes in from that industry opposed to, like, just a custom motorcycle build industry is much different. It's also because my scale is it's much more boutique. It's not like a, like a classified moto where they have, like, a whole team. It's, like, it's me... You know, a few years I've had an apprentice here and there. Sometimes I have a helper when I really need it. When time, when it gets to like crunch time, when I do need to go do a race or have a have a show together or something like that. But like generally speaking, it's just me. So that's why I'm like slowly I, transitioning. I think so. it's it's tough too if you don't diversify. Like, so you're saying that you kind of switched off of service gigs, you know, because you want to concentrate on other stuff. I mean, what if you know, like if you're able to get more service gigs in there and put a guy doing service gigs and then you can still exactly. concentrate on your shit and then you've got the money rolling in for that. But like, I mean, then you're managing, you know, those jobs as well and guaranteeing those jobs and you got to worry about other, all this other shit. And, exactly. And exactly. you have to so diversify like, much more than you, you, one guy. You almost need three people working on bikes and keeping them busy so that that income pays their bills and the shop bills and everything else so you can continue what you're doing, you know? 
I mean, out of all the guys I've had work for me in apprentices, like I've met like a small handful of like guys that are like really good and passionate about what they do. You know, it's like, I mean, I've got an employee. It's taken like two years and I, you know, I can't, I still can't go on vacation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. It's like, it's hard to find that thing. And so it's like, for me, it's like, I just found it easier to specialize in a very specific thing. And I used to build like three bikes at a time, like by myself. And that, you know, a couple of years of that. And I was like, I can't fucking do that anymore. So now I'm just like, I build like one bike, maybe have one in the works during that time. And then, you know, once that one bike is finished, I transition to the next one and stuff. Because, yeah, building, like, three, sometimes four bikes at once just became too crazy. Yeah. It was just, like, it was just, like, just, like, the communication aspect of it just became insane. It's, like, you're talking to, like, four different customers with four different personalities and four different expectations of what they want from you. Mm-hmm. And you're working with four different budgets, you know. You're waiting for money from this guy. So you're robbing Peter to pay Paul for this shit, you know. It's, like it's a lot of that it's a lot of that juggling so it's just like i just got tired of that and it's like i'd rather go to subcontract if i need extra money rather go to subcontract put you know hang some quarters on a car get paid like 1200 bucks that'd be the end of it you know yeah for me so, I, I do the work i'll go out and bill out you know two thousand bucks for the day but i won't see it for 45 days at least yeah exactly so yeah i'm still so gonna like, pay the employee for the week and pay my bills for the month and not get into that money. And so the next day, same thing, bill out of 500 bucks. We won't see it for, for 30, 45 days. Yeah. So it's like, that's a difficult part of it. I, I feel like, but you know, like I'm not, I'm not like, I don't have any regrets or remorse about like how I did my career, but like I would have changed a few things, but you know, it is what it is. It's like, yeah, I, I did the like, best with what I had, you know, like married rich. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. always helpful. Yeah. That or like, get a good nice investment to start a shop you know that's always nice to have like some breathing room secret but... trust fund you know you didn't know about yeah. until recently <laughs> my god yeah, you I didn't mean, know you're a millionaire i'm like what the fuck man yeah i mean and like i'm i can be perfectly transparent too it's just like i'm proud of the way i did it like you know there was there was a few years where i lived at my shop you know i had a loft in the shop i'd lived there and it was hard but you know what like that made me the builder I am now that that necessarily helped with my like craft, but it made me like pretty resilient to like bullshit, you know, gave you it's that like, stink that you were looking for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's right. I think the biggest upgrade for us, dude, is like if we had a shop space that had a bathroom, mm. that would be clutch. <laughs> no more peeing yeah, in the I'm alley. Lucky to have that, yeah. I ha- I'm lucky to have that now. Like super stoked on that. <laughs> yeah man what a, what but, a uh, fucking luxury mm-hmm. you have no idea i mean honestly i've always had a bathroom and like now it's like you know this is the third shop i've moved to in the past six years jason the last shop you were at i actually moved out of there like a few months ago oh damn okay so i'm actually in a bigger space <laughs> but uh yeah i'm in a bigger space when i have like two lifts there now and like it's just it's it's much bigger. It has like two bathrooms. It has an actual like bigger office. It's just like, it just grows over time. But with that space, you got to be able to utilize it. Right. And that's why I'm picking up so many of these like restoration jobs for cars and stuff. It's just like the money is just, it's just too good. Yeah. Office is a wasted space in businesses, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really a wasted space. You could be doing some production work in an office. Yeah. It's very true. <laughs> in the mechanical world. I mean, like, Unless you have people waiting around, like waiting for a job to get done in your shop, 
you don't need an office. Yeah, I mean, like, the guys that I work with for restoration stuff, they do, like, a lot of dealer work. They do a lot of insurance work. They do a lot of just, like, general collision repair, and they do restorations, too. So you got someone in the office all day long, like, keeping track of all the projects. So it's, yeah, like, that's, that's when it's, that's really necessary, but, it's like. Yeah, it's but like a shop just off- for yourself is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, when I had my first shop, that was, like, it was like a one-car garage, essentially. It was like, of course, there's no office, you know. It's just like, so it's just like, times were simpler then, and I miss it a lot because it makes it feel. I like that grassroots kind of more underground feel. It just felt really like raw and gritty back then, and now everything's just like, you know, there's so like for the builds and stuff that I do, there's so much fucking like paperwork and just meetings with customers, and it's just like, you know, it's like I'll get guys. It's it's crazy, man. I'll get guys that will like you know, DM me or like email me and they're like, all right, man, I got this bike and I want to do a custom bill with it. And like the first thing I say to them is like, What's all right, well, budget? listen, man, <laughs> exactly. It's like, what is your budget? Because the way I build for most people, it's like, I'm going to do everything I can in that budget for you, you know? So it's going to let me tell you what I can do. And he was like, all right, man, 500 bucks. I was like, come on, dude. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So what you like, want to do is you're going to take the bus. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, five hundred bucks covers the towing shit, brick. Yeah, yeah, that was that was actually pretty recently, but you know, it's like you get. I mean, and I but I build bikes for people with like a two thousand dollar budget. I build bikes for people that have like a twenty grand budget, you know. So like, you just gotta. For me, it's just like knowing what the customer wants, and it's like knowing how to maximize your your kind of abilities to like make them happy. Because it's at the end of the day, it's like they got to be happy with their shit, man. It's just like, regardless of what their budget is, it's their money and they're spending their hard earned money on it. So it's like, I try to treat everyone with like a lot of attention, but it can be like very wearing, man. It's like, it's, by the end of the day, I'm just like, I don't want to fucking talk to anyone. I get customers like, like that. They're like super nervous about it. Like, Oh, I don't know if I'm going to get it done. I'm like, all right, I tell you what, how about this? If you don't like it, don't pay for it. I'm going to do the work, yeah. but if you don't like it, don't pay me. If it's that bad. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that was no risk to you. I want the business and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to do a good job. But if you get back and you look at the job and it sucks, don't fucking pay me. Simple yeah. Yeah. I've, Another I've nice never thing been, about, been paid. Well, that's good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do good. I, my work is awesome. I do awesome yeah. work, but, but it's like, you know, like they don't, they don't know what they're getting into half the time. They're like, Oh, bullshit yeah, budget, with, parking lot repair with, for their Mercedes or McLaren or whatever the fuck they're driving for the day. Oh, dude, it's like, yeah. So I, I, the body shop I collaborate with, I've learned a lot about, like, the body industry because they're so, they're so high volume, you know. It's like they're cranking, like, on an average week, like 25, 30 cars. You oh, know? it's so overpriced, too, yeah. Yeah, so they're, like, they're just cranking on shit all the time. And it's like, and I'm doing, like, panel repair and rust repair on, like, every make brand and model of car you know it's like everything and like you'll have people that come in and like we had a lady come in the other day and she was like she had like a totaled car and we we're like okay mm-hmm. we're, we're gonna price it out on ccc for you and it's like it's like four grand okay she was like i can't do four grand she was like i got 2500 bucks and they're like okay we're gonna do everything we can for you for 2500 bucks then but it's not gonna be perfect it's gonna be it's going to be roadworthy and it's going to look pretty good. Yeah, we're going to let the like, gimp paint it. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to no, save but, a few dollars by letting the gimp shoot it for you. 
and the no, blind guy sure do the body work. Sure. No, I mean, the car looked good afterwards. It looked fine. It just wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like we didn't blend the doors and like the hood and stuff. You know, we sprayed it. We wet sanded buffed the painted parts, but we didn't blend anything in, you know? Yeah, I, I so got one like, the other day on a Jaguar. I was like, what, what, what can you do? And after I gave him the price of the, I'm like, he's like, I just want all these rock chips on the front end, like fixed up. I'm like, all right, that's cool. Look, I'll do your f- whole front bumper. I got to strip it down and shoot it. I don't have any other work today, so I'm going to give you a good deal. It's 300 bucks to do the whole thing, which is, it was an easy, cheap. it was an that's easy, cheap. yeah, <laughs> no, it's cheap, 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 cheap. I mean, we're a budget <laughs> body shop, you know, but mm-hmm. I know, and I was like, I'm not going to get every single rock chip out. And that's some of it. I'm just going to get the worst of it out and make it look better. That's my job. Make it good, fast, and cheap, you know? Yeah, And then yeah. after we agree on our price, he's like, well, what about this split down here? Can you fix that too while you're at it? I'm like, come on, man. Like, I'm already giving the shit away. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, whatever. So, like, no problem. I'll just take care of it. So I just, like, plastic welded it up. No Bondo, no nothing. Just heated it up, plastic welded it, and left it, primed it, and shot it. You know, I'm like, it's, he's not paying for, you know, 100%. Like, it's it's reattached, and it looks better. Yeah. And then he's like, can you do the rear bumper too? I'm like, yeah, 160 bucks just to blend that corner spot in. Then I get there and he's got 350 cash or 450 cash, whatever it is. I'm like, did you not, did we not discuss the price? I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I don't care. I'm out of here. Take your cash tax free. <laughs> fuck off. Well, that's, that's what, that's why I love doing subcontractor work for these guys. It's like, I don't have to deal with that. You know, it's just like, they give me a call. They're like, Hey, can you hang quarters on this? Like 69 Camaro RS. It's like, they know my rate. I'm like, sure, I can do it. I come in, I like spend two days, take the quarters off, weld them in, blend it all that shit in, and then I don't have to do the body work. Someone, someone else comes in and muds it. You know, I don't have to touch it. So it's like I love doing that, but it's like I think the hardest part of like running your business in my industry, as far as like custom bikes and stuff, is just, like dealing with customers. Like on a con, it gets really wearing. But I mean, I love doing what I do. But I don't love, like, having to talk to customers all the time, which is, like, a big part of it. So it's, like, you got to learn to get good at it. You got to learn to, like, deal with it in a certain way. My favorite part is they bring me a brand-new car that they just fucked up off the truck, and it's brand-new, right? (laughs) Brand-fucking-new. Oh, dude, we get cars from from dealerships. Like, we have a, a contract with the local Volkswagen dealership, the local Audi dealership, local Chevy dealership. But you'll see a brand new car that got wrecked in the lot or wrecked on the test drive, you know? Yeah, yeah. They bring this shit, right? And they, they're like, all right, listen, the customer's coming from Georgia. He's on his way <laughs> right now. We're delaying him for a couple of hours. Can you just blend in this pearl white brand new fucking e- Tri-code car? Yeah, yeah. yeah e- e- 500 or S-Class, you know, whatever the fuck it is. I'm like, you got to be shitting me. Like, you guys know, like, when, I, when you blend it in, like, it, there's a blend line and you need to wet sand and buffet it, you know, but we don't have time for that, right? So, chances are, it's not going to look good. And they're like, oh, we know you're the best, man. We, <laughs> they, they pull they it, gas, oh, we know you can do it. you up. <laughs> yeah, we know you can do it. I'm like, come on, man. Yeah, I, I couldn't imagine running a shop that big, though. Like, their overhead's like probably like eighty grand a month, like a hundred grand, some some crazy, you know. Yeah, mine's not too so bad. Like, I, I think my overhead's like one hundred and twenty thousand a year or something like that. Which is, but I don't yeah. have a shop, so I'm mobile. Yeah, yeah. But that's just paint supplies, yeah. material, and bullshit like that. Yeah, exactly. Like for me, it's like my overhead per year is like pretty similar to yours, but that's because like I run, I don't have any employees. I run a smaller operation, and it's just like, you know, it's like you get you get pretty creative on how to like do stuff 
like I look at my builds from like five years ago and like it's definitely shaped the way I build stuff now. It's just experience. You just like know what works and what doesn't work and what looks good and like what is kind of a bad idea, you know? So it's just like and it, it makes you so much faster. It's like I can get straight to the point like I must build like subframes for like custom bikes. Like everyone wants like a loop subframe with like a you know integrated LED now. I just have like a certain pro I have a set process now. It's like this is what I do. And I can bang it out. Whereas like but the time to like figure all that out was like years, you know. But now it's like I can knock like a job like that out in like a few days and it'll look perfect, you know. But yeah. it took like a lot of a lot of uh a lot of fuck ups and a lot of cutting shit back off and doing it over again to get there. <laughs> yeah, my favorite thing is when I get my credit card bill at the end of the month, I'm like, oh, swipe, 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 you know, like not for buying shit, it's for getting paid. So like I use yeah, the service yeah. to like to take credit cards and all that shit and then I forget about their premium and I'll get like their $80 service fee to own a credit card machine or whatever every month. And then on top of that, another $300 in service charges for actually running somebody's card. I'm like, man, motherfucker, I'm in the wrong business. Mm. All these guys yeah, are doing yeah. is facilitating a transaction. They're making t- more money off the deal than I am, you know? Yeah. it's Yeah. So when customers ask me, it's like, oh, how do you, how would you like to get paid? I'm like, cookie. Like, yeah, that's good. <laughs> and like, uh, I'm like, cash or Venmo, dude. Like, those are like the two best right now, you know? Yeah. Oh, I love it when they pay me cash. Cause I mean, I put everything oh, okay. on the books and pay taxes for it, but like, I'll, I might do 10,000 a year that are, that that's off the books Maybe. yeah yeah oh okay i mean i mean we, I, we don't do that I, yeah i try to <laughs> I 1099 <laughs> i pretty like i 1099 everything you know it's like that's just like i'm essentially like a like a private contractor, contractor. Yeah. yeah yeah so that's how i like kind of do it because it's like it's hard to like figure out how to like tax what i do a lot of the time so it's like the best way i found is just like 1099 everything don't, and it's don't all part of estimated quarterlies well, yeah, then, exactly. If you 1099 yourself and write your paycheck, then technically your paycheck is a deduction, and then you don't pay to any taxes on it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's like, I think that's a big part of like growing your business too, is just to like learning to put like everything on the books, and in the end, like it will help you. Because like the first few years, like it was like totally underground. You know, yeah. it was like nothing was. <laughs> Nothing was recorded, like nothing was, everything was paid in cash. It was just like, and I lost a lot of money that way too, because now I just get paid back for all the shit that I buy, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so now I'm trying to get on that grind where you don't pay any taxes at all, where like you, you privatize yourself. like, I'm thinking about not paying myself shit and then collect, you know, get food stamps, free healthcare and all that crap and figure out how to get money out of the business other, other ways, you know? Yeah, me too, man. I'm, I'm on that boat. I make twenty seven five a year. Technically, my paycheck is twenty seven five a year. Nothing. But the benefit, added benefit of not paying for the gas or the truck and yeah, but it's barely enough to get by. Yeah, it's tough, man. That's why, like, I'm picking up so much work, like elsewhere now too. It's just like, you know, and like my pay used to be so inconsistent. Like, I'd pick up a build and like. Until I finish that build, I'm not paid, you know? Or yeah. like, you know... And then you're sitting my, starving, my, and then when the paycheck comes in, you're like, I'm rolling in it! And then, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, So my, my, my policy is generally like, you know, like 100% parts deposit. I'm like, I'm not going to front any single part. 100% parts deposit on everything I need to build your bike. 
And then like, I'd like 50% on like the actual bills right now. You know, yeah. it's just like, it's like, I never, I never like for what I do. It's like, I'm never going to get paid for every hour on that bike. It's just like, I spend so much time with these bikes. Well, like hundred pads. Too. Yeah. I'm surprised yeah. you're not flipping more bikes up there in PG County. Like just buying them. Don't even fucking work on them. Just troll the internet, scoop them up and then relist them. I do that occasionally, though. If I find, like, a really good deal for up a customer that comes by and they're like, what do you think this is worth? I'm like, nothing. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'll buy it. <laughs> so, like, I, I end up with a lot of bikes that way. And it's like, yeah, right now, it's like I've gotten rid of a bunch of bikes recently because I just bought a house, too. So I'm just like, uh, I need to get rid of, like, all of, like, the things I don't ride or fuck with anymore. Like, I had, like, a... I had like a 700 CC quad for like no reason. You know, I had like a KFX 700 once in a while. Like I'll go out to like a farm and ride it or something, you know, but like, am I riding that every day? No. So I have like, right now I have like four motorcycles, which is like, eh, I mean, for, for what I do, it's like, it's not that much. And then I have some project bikes like in the basement and then, you know, just toys and stuff. But yeah, I try to liquidize everything. I'm like, I just got too much shit, man. I know you guys are fucking still hoarding the shit out of mopeds. So. No, bro, I just, just Jason. Bro. Jason's the only one that's hoarding. I just sold all yeah. my Tomo shit. Got me a variant. We don't talk about my hoard. <laughs> oh, you got a variant now. See, that's where it's at, man. If I were to go back and get another moped, like I love to get a variant, but they're like becoming way easier to get now because they're getting just getting imported, you know? Yeah, we got cough up like, for them now. Yeah, what fifteen hundred bucks? Yeah, I think they for, sold a C5. Tyler just sold a C5 from Dose today for sixteen five, and it was kind of kind of rough. But like you know, not bad, man. Not, not horrible. bad. Not horrible. Doug's talking about <laughs> going moped, down the Dose, you know? making a little road trip Dose visit. Not, yeah, he's trying to drop not, all the money on Dose. <laughs> yeah, he's trying to fucking oh, dude, buy so him out. A great uh, seventy seven story is uh, I went with Dan Kastner. We drove his like, we drove from. Grand Rapids, I mean, not Kalamazoo. Mm-hmm. We drove from Kalamazoo all the way to Atlanta to visit Fred's uh, warehouse, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't know if Dose and Fred have any relationship at all, but, like, you know, that's, that's where all the rare bikes were at the time. Like, Fred had imported them from, like, all across Europe. So, like, we would go in there, and then there's, like, a... there's there You'd, like, open up a box, and it would be, like, a brand-new, like, Chromag. Like, never ridden before. Like, shit like that. Like, yeah crazy like race bikes you had never seen before like you'd go and there'd be like a, a box the size of a pallet just like filled with like metric kits not even in boxes just like a like a fucking container of metric kits i was like what the fuck is this place you know it's like there'd be like a lineup of variants like lagunas and like all kinds of crazy shit and i was yeah, just I was, like damn i just wish i could have seen it you can still oh dude see it. <laughs> Fred's still there, right? Yeah, I think Fred's still there. He still got a shit going on. I don't know, man. Like, I talk to Tyler and he, they know. I should have snatched it up at the time. I should have, but like, he was like, "I heard you want a." Fred was like, "I heard you want a variant," and I was like, "Yeah, yeah." Dan told you, he was like, "Yeah, yeah," because I was telling Dan like, "Yo, I want that black variant right there." He was like, "All right, man, I'll cut you a deal since you work for Dan, nine hundred bucks." Mm. And I was like. I should have done it. I should have just bought it right At the then, time, but... you're like, probably like, oh, $900, you know? Yeah. yeah you know, at the time, I was like, buying a bike for 200 bucks. You're like, mm, 900 I don't know. Yeah. Now I'm just like, I got a little bit more money. So it's like, 
fuck yeah, I'll buy that variant for 900 bucks. Yeah, moped, yeah. Mopeds when you're adulting is a lot easier. <laughs> it but truly it's also, is, But it's also a more dangerous slope. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Mopeds is like, like... Like it's hit and miss, right? Because you could buy a piece of shit and spend way more money like finding the, pl- you know, if you're trying to make it nice, the plastics and all the bullshit and fixing it up. Or you could pony up a little bit of extra coin right out of the gates and you already got a nice bike and then you can just work on the kit and the motor and all mm-hmm. that shit, you know? That's why I still say to yeah. people, I'm like, oh, yeah, we can we can hook you up. We can find you something cheap. Like, yeah, you can find something cheaper on the internet. I think um, Marlo was here the other week on the podcast with us and he was like, what's the difference between, you know, like the cheap, like a cheap bike and like one that costs like more money? I'm like, yeah, well... There's like something that runs and there's something that's like super, super rough. I don't know. Just a super sliding scale. It's hard to like explain, you know, unless yeah. you're like in the game. Yeah. But for Dude, me, I'd living, rather have a nicer looking bike, you know. Living with Mike Beery, like I learned to love like stock, like really nice condition bikes, you know. Mm-hmm. Like you just, you just learn to like appreciate how nice it is to have like, you know, he had like a Bravo that had like both the like toolboxes on the side like every single graphic was in perfect condition like everything was like in perfect condition it was just like man it's like it'd be nice just to have like a bike in such a nice shape because every moped i've ever bought has been like a shit bag you know it's been like every everything's been like in pretty terrible shape and i because i always had the intention of building everything mm-hmm. but yeah, like got two maxis like that super clean ashley's like 300 mile maxi then my black nostalgia just like just nice. I don't want yeah. to fuck with him. Yeah, yeah. Mike was also ahead. Now, of, Mike was also ahead of the curve, dude. He was buying up all like when he was working at Moped, he was buying all the Vecan Vespas. Oh yeah. In the Midwest, and no one else wanted them. He was getting them yeah, for cheap, was, cheap, cheap. Yeah, no one wanted Vespas at the time. And then like Mike had like at one point like he had like a Bravo, he had like two Chows, and he had like a he had a Vespa C too, you know. So he had like C Monte Carlo. Yeah, like he had all this. He had all this moat like Vespa stuff that I thought was like black, and now that I look at it, I'm just like, man, this would be rad to have like, I don't know, just a chow, you know, just like put that shit in my living room or something, you know? It's like, it's just small, like so pretty. And put, put it in your living room for three years and not ride it. <laughs> yeah, <Fire> basically. <laughs> what I'm, yeah. Still do you still have that one? Do you still have the? Do you still have the one Josh built? Oh uh, yeah, Thomas still has. Josh oh yeah, I love that bike. We just I just downloaded the picture from the. uh the um, hot and ready's tumbler of uh, Josh wheeling it in the parking lot. Yeah, I wrote yeah, it. Yeah. I wrote it the other day. It's awesome. Yeah, Got yeah. Hit, he, by, hit by a car, still survived. I know. I need oh, to, really? Yeah, I need to put new pedal arms and stuff on. If you the lights are terrible, but otherwise it's good to go. Oh, dude, I'm sure he's stoked that things still around. I take I mean, care of it, was, man. I don't fucking yeah. I don't leave it out in the rain or nothing dumb, and I don't beat it up. And I really like that bike. I just sold my yeah. uh, Grand Prix that I got from him. Oh, really? Yeah, it's going down to Texas. Oh man, yeah. yeah he, he out of all the hot out of all the hot rarities, like he was definitely like one of the best like builders and like he was just into cool shit, man. Like he was definitely ahead of the curve and like I was saying, like it's definitely because of his mechanical experience and that's why I think me and him really got along because of that. But like it was really cool because at one time we all lived in like the same neighborhood, like me, Beery, and Tom, Matt Sauer all lived in the same house. Daniel lived like one block up west. Josh lived one block the other way. It's like a lot of the core members were in, like Tony lived like just like in the other, like just like maybe like a four minute like ride. He still lives there now. And it's just like, 
we all lived together in that one spot and it was like just it was like a really fun time man it was it's a testament it was, to this building because i never even opened the top end up on that bike ever never looked inside yeah just changed a I few was, spark plugs and some belts and some other odds and ends you know variators and pulleys and clutches and oh you know, dude he was in gaskets but i don't i've never fucked with it he's super he was super super good at building mopeds and like uh he now, he now he's into like building like off-road Toyota pickups and stuff like that. Like I was, he, I was into was that out. for a while. I love those things, man. Yeah, I just bought the Forerunner recently for a buddy of mine. Like I did, you know, it was an '88 Forerunner, so first-gen Forerunner, and I like I did all the resto work on it. I like they don't make panels for that car. They they'll make fenders and a hood for it, stuff like that, but they don't make quarters for it. So I like I ended up cutting all the quarters out and like hand making fucking quarters for this thing but Crazy. he and they got they got all they got a full all over paint job like did everything on it pulled the motor yeah. sprayed the engine bay sprayed the door just sprayed everything let me and know like uh what's that i said let me know if you're trying to get down on a on a, on a fifth gen fifth gen what fifth gen was forerunner baby let's go you got one about to about to oh you're yeah buddy yeah they're great cars but uh like He's so, so dead. Like that? People... Great car. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're great cars. I don't know. I mean, me, like, I'm, I need, like, a full-size pickup because, like, I have to show shit a lot. I have to, I have to, like, haul shit a lot. So it's, like, sometimes I'll, like, be pulling, like, three, four motorcycles at one time. And it's, like, I need at least, like, a three-quarter ton. So I like, uh, definitely, like, for, like, a daily, like, I love, like, a forerunner, but you know, I just I like I like having like a a little bit earlier of a pickup. Thomas, you got that new you got that new uh, Cummins pickup, right? Yeah, it's in the shop for three weeks. What for? What you got a recall on it or something? Random fucking overheating issue, and they can't figure it out. So I might I just authorized them to do four thousand dollars worth of uh, exploratory surgery. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, it's been hit and miss, man. My fucking dog is trying to die on me. My truck died on me. Uh, all kinds of dumb shit this week, man. It's been wild. Yeah. It just keeps raining. Hey, man. It'll start snowing soon. Then you don't have to worry about it, right? I get $5,000 off my checking account, and somebody's like, hey, fuck you. Let me get that 5Gs, homie. And they're like, <laughs> they're like up, this homeboy. this uh, exploratory surgery, it might just need a head gasket. Everything says it doesn't need a head gasket. We did all the tests on it, but it could just be a head gasket, or you might need a motor. But either way, it's going to cost you $4,000 to find out. Is it like a totally new Cummins? It's not like a Dodge Cummins? Yeah, it's it's a V8, 5-liter, like Nissan-specific. And everything you take off of it, you can't reuse. So all the what? fuel injector lines, all the O-rings and seals, all the like... They're uh, like one-time use. They're yeah. all one-time use, and that's what's going to get me in the price. And it's 20 hours of labor to get the heads off. Damn. Well, goddamn. Yeah, that's why so, I, so you need to start working on new trucks, buddy. <laughs> well, I'm working on that's that. I Actually, I, yeah. I hit the people up. The closest new new XD Titan is 500 miles away, but I'm working on getting that truck towed to my house potentially, put it back to stock, not repairing whatever's wrong with it, then tow it to the dealership and trade it in. And they're like, "We'll give you 32 for it." And I was like, "Well, I'll have 26.5 on it. I'll take 26.5 because I know you're gonna <laughs> have to put money in it, you know." So yeah. we'll see what happens. I might just go get a new one. Damn. yeah that's that's why i ended up getting a silverado just because it's like they're just easy to work on yeah 
I mean, the diesel's like, awesome. It's, it's the, I talk to the guys. They're like, this is an anomaly. Oh, you you haul your trailer, though, so you need, yeah, you need some towing capacity. Yeah. But the problem is also it's tuned and deleted in a tow every single day with it. A big fucking trailer. And then we rally in it, and, like, I'm not a, super easy on it, but I'm not, I don't feel like I abuse it like talking no, about it. No, you don't beat it to the ground. But it's just, the, the guys are like, it's, this is weird. We don't, our best techs can't figure it out, so we have to look in, into the engine. And the, and, but they they said it might be covered under warranty. They were like, we might be able to get it covered under warranty because they like me because uh, they know I'm an Nissan guy. And they're like, I work work do work for the dealership. They're like, we're trying not to like say anything to anybody about being tuned, deleted, and get it covered under warranty. But oh, yeah. dude, you also got that Mint S13, right? Yeah, that thing fucks real hard. <laughs> Where'd finally... you find one hey, so man, clean, for, dude? For sale if you want to buy it. Yeah, it's for sale. Fuck yeah, I'll sell it. What eight grand for that shit? Hell no. Yeah. I mean, like, if you find one that clean, you are very lucky. Zero rust. Like, yeah, zero rust, and, like, you just don't find them that clean. AC's dude. cold. There was, a time when you could, there was a time when you could find, like, a clean S13 or S14 for, like... 500 like, bucks. <laughs> Back in the sometimes, day. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you could like, get a good deal on them. You find, like, I was looking, like, before I'm to Chicago, you could find, like, S14s, like, SE, 5-speed five lug hubs for like two grand yeah. now it's like if you find a clean one now they're like 10 grand up well this guy that... i was buying this from he had an advertised for like 13.5 and got an offer for 11 he was getting ready to take and then covid hit and he's paranoid schizophrenic so didn't want to meet anybody so he was like oh man i can't i can't talk to anybody i'm not going to meet the guy i don't want to take his money because i might catch the covid and blah 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 so I was like working on another car for him. He's like a car dealer flipper kind of guy. He flips mostly Porsches and like Ferraris and crap like that. And uh, I saw the car sitting under the tarp. I was like, well, what do you want for it, man? He's like, oh, man. I was like, I don't know. So I went back and talked to Ashley about it and went back and looked at it again. I was like, this thing's all right, man. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm in it for a song. I probably got five grand in it. Oh, dude, you're, you're straight. Just keep it, keep it covered up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it's, it's under the carport. Carport life. Don't get it stolen. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Your keys are literally in it. That's funny. Noted. Yeah. <laughs> Nowhere to go. Yeah. <laughs> all right, dude. Uh, then we're going to kind of wrap it up, dude. But, um, you know, if, out of your years of mopeding and wrenching and doing all the things you do, like, I don't know, man. What, what, would, your, what would be your overall take from mopeds and your time in it? I think I've made the best friends in my life thus far from moped it's like um like tom is You're still welcome. like my best friend to this day oh. yeah oh other tom <laughs> you know it's like you know just like the friends i've made through mopeds and like having that family around me like having that support around me and especially that transition into making like motorsport stuff in my career like everyone was so supportive of it and stuff so it's like it just was an interesting transition from going to moped straight into like building custom bikes. But you know, it's like, those were some of the best times in my life. It's just like going to rallies all the time, building bikes with everyone at the castle, stuff like that was just like the best, you know? And it's like, I, I, I think so like fondly of it all the time. It's just like, now it's just like, I gotta be responsible and shit. So life's not as fun, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's like, I think that's like the big thing for mopeds is not only like, you know, the ease of the ease of like the simplicity of design in mopeds is great. And that's why it's like fun. 
But I think more importantly, mopeds offer an avenue for people to like do stuff together, have fun together. And that's why it's fun. Like, like, you know, it's like wild shit goes down in rallies, you know? And it's just like, all your homies got your back. And it's just like, it's just, it's just fun. And like, yeah, that's why, that's what I, that's my take on mopeds at least. It was like, it's fun to like tinker with stuff with your buddies and it's fun to go to rallies and stuff. And I think at the root of it, that's what's really cool about it. Same. Well, what would be the like the the wildest rally time you remember? Wildest rally time. Oh my god. Dun, 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 uh, there's, there's, the there's a list, dude. There's a list, yeah. Um I remember one time in New Orleans, it was your birthday. You remember this? Yeah, yeah. We had the cake. Yeah, yeah, we had the cake. So I'm just gonna say this one because you're you're in the story. So this one's yeah, this one's good. But like they're singing you happy birthday outside and somehow I end up in the bathroom with like a like a bunch of moped girls and they're all doing like things stuff. Yeah. <laughs> stuff. And I come out and like I I just talk to you and see you happy birthday and I just I don't remember anything else from that night. <laughs> and then the next day I look at pictures and they were taking pictures in the bathroom and then one of the girls was taking a piss in the sink while I'm like looking at the camera. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. That was a okay. crazy night. I think that was also the night that Brad drank That's... like the jungle juice behind the bar. He like went behind there the bar that... and drank the jungle juice and passed like yeah. blacked out the rest Enzo... of the night. Do you remember Enzo fell into that fucking uh like pothole and like exploded his shoulder? That was like right. <laughs> yeah. That happened too. That was a right at the train tracks. Yeah. The New Orleans crater. Yeah. That was the same night. Yeah, Nigel man. fell off the back of Andy's bike because he fell asleep riding dubs. Yeah. Yeah. And then we all ended up at Susie's house that night and crashed there. Yeah. And then, like, Sal fell asleep in an armchair with his pants all the way down. Is that the same rally where Corey showed up to Susie's house insulting the rally? I believe so. <laughs> yeah, like, saying how, how awful it was. and like Yeah, yeah. Like, how come I don't have a loner? Yeah, so. how come I don't have a loner? Your rally sucks. This is a real bad <laughs> club. All this other dumb shit. I had to, like, chase yeah. him down. I'm like, Corey, I what just is remember, wrong like, with you? Waking up on the ground next to Sal with like his pants off, and then you know how Sal gets like at a rally, you can't you can't even understand what he's saying. It's like, la, 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 you know, it's like what I was like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. And then actually, like Charlie Buzzard, like somehow ended up you. there in the morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Somehow Charlie Buzzard ended up there in the morning, and like he had this like really like poetic, like like poignant like thing to tell me. I was like, it was like life changing for some reason. I was just like, wow. But yeah, that was just, that was some a real great Charlie rally. Buzzard dad advice. Yeah, he's good for that man. He's got a different. He, he'll sit back and look at the situation and, and explain it to you a little bit differently. Yeah, dude. So yeah, many, yeah. So many good times in New Orleans, man. Like even that same night, dude. I remember like coming back to Susie's and like you walk in. It's three, four o'clock in the morning. You think everyone's just gonna be like done for. You come in and they're just like. Hot and ready, sitting around, sharing moons, doing stick and pokes on the couch, and they're watching, oh my God, they're watching yeah. coming to America. Somebody's like, pocketing oh, a uh, an iPad. <laughs> Remember that? Meanwhile, yeah. like, people are getting andied in the backyard. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, andied everywhere. Yeah, lots oh, of andied. Oh yeah, but uh, no, definitely, I definitely want to go back to New Orleans for a rally for sure. And like, uh, I think me and me and Dave. You know, Rip Dave. We have like a little pact right now. It's like, if he goes to any rallies or if I go to any rallies, we're gonna try to go with each other. Hell yeah! It's probably because he wants to stunt on the KDX I built him. So, 
Yeah, I still haven't seen that. When he's back in Richmond, I haven't seen the bike once. Yeah, yeah. He's come up and visited me at the new shop once. He helped me actually like set up my new shop. So he should be coming back to visit you sometime soon. So is he back in Richmond officially? Mm-hmm. He's been here for a little bit. He's so not in the city of Richmond, but he's had his parents in uh, Fincastle. So yeah, right. Little, he's in Virginia though. Yeah. Yeah, he's somewhere around. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we're gonna wrap it up, man. It's awesome talking to you. Yeah. All right, guys. Can't I definitely got to come down again. to Richmond sometime soon. Yeah, definitely got to come down soon. So you guys always are just, always, yeah. You guys uh, are the two best hosts in Richmond. <laughs> yeah, I was always gonna say it's so. like it's always like, oh, we got to come down to Richmond. I was like, yeah, well, we need to get our fucking asses on the uh, on the bus too. You know, like we need to get yeah. out and go somewhere. <laughs> been a little bit. Yeah, it's been a hot minute. Yeah, I mean, itchy. Yeah, I mean, rally season was kind of a bust this, this year for for you know obvious reasons, but. Yeah. We're we're close enough that we can come hang out. I'm always down to go to Richmond, so yeah, Richmond's more fun than DC. So. I need some jumbo slice, dude. I need some Ben's chili bowl. Like Ben's market. chili bowl is where it's at. You guys always trying to get take some trying to get some damn every get some, trying to get some damn mambo sauce. Chili bowl is good, man. Oh, dude, I'll bring you mambo sauce. You mambo know they sauce. they bottle it up. They bottle it now, dude. Oh shit! There you go. Yeah, y'all. I'll bring you some mumbo stuff. Yeah, man. Me, me, and my girl will come down there. I'll, I'll bring a bike, and we can hang out. And do some oh, stuff. Okay. I got, I still got like, still got like a, I still got like a sports chopper. I still got like a race bike. I still got like a, the thing I don't need and I have is like a jixer that I don't need because yeah. it gets me into way too much trouble. Facts. But we got some loaners uh, too. If you're trying to ride slow, so oh, that'd be perfect. Out. Yeah. Put you on the DR two hundred. That'd actually be pretty fun, though. Yeah, oh, that thing's good. Yeah. Hit the woods. Yeah. All right, Wes. All right, fellas. Thanks I'm ready for, for bed. It, bro. Um, you want to shout out your Instagram and your shop so, you know, if anyone wants to check it out? Yeah, man. My personal Instagram and my shop Instagram is uh, the Rumblesmith on Insta. So if anyone wants to hit me up there or whatever. I recently broke my leg like a couple months ago so i'm just this is like my first couple months back in the shop so i'm a little bit slow right now but i'll definitely have some content coming back up soon hell yeah all, all right, right dude uh i'll see you around bud we'll, we'll catch up all right love you guys talk to you soon see you man Later. all right hell yeah dude if I'll you guys less. are trying to get on the show, send us a message give us a call 638-9533 moped monday podcast at gmail.com yeah, and if you want to support us or buy something from the merch store, uh, just check it out, you know, mopedmonday.com. Um, we got three voicemails. It's a lot of shit. It's already been a pretty long episode. We hit two hours. Uh, the computer was doing pretty good. But it is good. the 100th. computer was doing pretty good, and then it just cut out towards the end. But we backups recording still, so I'm not really worried about it. Are we going to talk about the 100th, or are we just going to glaze it over? This is it. This is 100. Uh, pretty much what we're going to do, we, we got, we stopped being lazy. We made some contacts and reached out about the stuff we need to build the Epic fast motor. We're going to talk to a machinist about getting some small stuff done that we were thinking about. Uh, essentially we're just trying to do like a slightly dumbed down version of Jake Kane's Tomos. So it might not be as fancy as what he has going on, but we're gonna try to build some. Gonna cool, have some good bits, some good parts, something something fancy and similar. And I think kind of how it's gonna go. This is episode one hundred. Um, just uh, so you're you saying know, we can't delay it anymore. Oh, we're gonna delay it. Okay, all but, right. Woo, 
everything runs fucking on moped time. Like maybe we'll get the parts in a week. Maybe we can build the motor the week or two after that. Maybe I can get a new GoPro. We can, we can actually film it properly. I know yeah, you got yeah. one. I got one. And I, I got, got an the, okay got the, one. I got this, the other camera too, the, the GX7. So we'll film the rebuild, make a little video, and maybe by episode 105 we'll be ready to ship it. I don't think – I think we can – want to announce a winner next week? No. No. We don't know what we're going to do. Yeah, because we still might do some things. We might announce how we're going to announce our winner next week. So, how about this? How about we we allow a couple weeks for entries? I'm into that. So, you know, if you listen to this week, and we'll mention it again next week, and we'll take multiple entries. Because, like, sometimes we only get, like, maybe 25 entries or something, like, during the yeah, week. Yeah, that makes sense. Because that way it gives us gives people more time to get into it and get registered. Yeah, and if, if we they, set a goal for, like, the episode, one it gives them a little time to catch up-ish, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that makes more sense, and it's, like, helpful. It gives people time. But we'll do the same shit we normally do. There'll be, like, some random, you know, raffle prize packs. I think we're going to get some gift cards from a couple moped distributors and try to build this, you know, fancy motor and, you know, make some people happy in the community. We almost need a roller to borrow. I wonder who's got a roller. Um, I mean, your homeboy in your club has enough Tomas's. Someone let us just throw a bike, a Tomas motor on one of their fucking bikes, dude. Yeah. Just to roll it down the street, see what it's doing. You hear that, Rebel Rousers? Di- dial it in. Pony up. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, dude, like, it's been over 100 episodes. You include the bonuses and some of the other stuff we've done, like... We appreciate you if you've listened to all of them. It's a lot. It's a lot. And they weren't all that great. <laughs> no, a lot of them are great. Some of them are great. Some of them aren't. Some of them are hit or miss. Some of them are funny. Some of them aren't. I feel like the later we do this shit in the evening, too, like the more gassed I am. Yeah, I mean, it's it's late, and we do this every Sunday. Like, just think about it. We've done this every Sunday for... Which is awesome. Well I love over, doing it. Well over two years, and it's fun. Yeah. I still enjoy it. I still procrastinate. I still haven't done a lot of things that I set up we were going to do in the beginning. Our show prep is horrible. Like film it, show prep, line up shit in advance. Like I did a couple of times where maybe we had like shit lined up for like a month in advance, but like it gets to be too much, you know? I'm just trying to chill. Like chill. I'll, I'll, I'll do a lot of the episodes too where it's just me and you or me and you and Ashley or you, just, you know, whoever's local in town. Or whoever's visiting. passing out on the mic next to us. Yeah. It's been slurring. Like, it's been chill, you know? Sometimes we get a hype man in the background. Sometimes what? What? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah dude like i don't know i've had a good time doing this um and i'm sure we'll continue doing it a little longer i know originally we made the joke that like episode 100 was gonna be it like, somebody was talking about up. like uh passing the sticks to somebody else you know yeah i don't know had mentioned that like so, yo you guys ever think about like just passing the sticks somebody else for a little bit you know yeah tell them to pick it up dude just fucking just start doing it like, yeah, just Jim's, like jim started doing it yeah. Like, you want to do a podcast? We'd love to get more content. I'm sure someone else would be into listening to it. You know? Why not? Let's uh, let's get the Seven Hill Scooter Club takeover. Oh, I like the day we did the uh, the the takeover episode. Like, we just let the Lady Kings take over for a day because they came in town. Yeah. That'd be fun. I'd let Seven Hills fucking have a night. That'd be awesome. Set it up. I can walk out the room, and then I get to listen to it and enjoy it, like, myself. Like, I didn't, like, I wasn't involved, you know? Yeah. Which is fun. Um, let's hit the three voicemails. It's only three of them. Let's hit them, see what they are. We're already running this long. So, so yes or no? Yo, I'm fuck already, yeah. Right, I'm in. I'm here. down. All right, let's see what we got. What's up, guys? It's Young uh, Francis from Atlanta. Uh, congratulations, Biggie, on your uh, soon-to-be wedding. 
I got a question. Who is Noah, and why uh, why can't you say his name? That's all. Thanks. Later, guys. <laughs> we don't know. All right. Well, that's young Francis. He was on an episode. I can't remember which one, but from down south, you know, young soldier. Hit him up at rallies at, like, age 13. Drinking um, beers, selling <laughs> sodas. <laughs> Uh, great, great episode. If you want to go back and listen to his episode, it was, and it was great a pretty question. fun one. Uh, so we, we, I, I, this, that's what it should have been. Like, if you want to ask us a cool question or a question that you've always wondered about us talking about on the show, send it in an email or call the voicemail line and let us know. Cause that's, I'm sure you've listened to a lot that's of dumb what stuff. That's we're here we, yeah, for. I'm sure you've heard a lot of dumb stuff that we've said that you've always wondered like, what we're talking about. So we refer to thou shall not be named a lot. But occasionally <laughs> we slip in his real name, which is Noah from Black Black. And he's just one of our boys. He's one of our homies from Richmond. He's in the local scene. He rides mopeds. He's been doing the thing with us for years. He's gone a ton of rallies with us. Like, he's in my club. Definitely, like, like, one of the best buds. Yeah, best buds. But, like, we talked about him on one episode, and he got a butthurt about it. Like this isn't me talking shit right now, but it's just like yes, know. it is. Oh my god, I'm probably gonna get in trouble. You're getting for in it. big trouble for this. You're <laughs> <laughs> just like grinning. Yeah, I know. I'm probably gonna get in trouble for it. But we talked about it in some episode, and he didn't appreciate it. So we said some things that he, that he didn't think painted himself in the best light, and he didn't want it to be out there in the public. And he was like, "Fuck you guys! I'll never fucking mention my shit again on the radio, basically." Yeah. Or the, so, which is fine. It's fair enough. But but because he's in our town, and because he's in our moped scene locally. Like, a lot of the things that happen here, he tends to be involved with. Like, he just scooped up, like, two mint, perfect condition Corrados. Like, Manettes. On a, on, a, on a sly. Like, no one even, no one else even caught it before he was already picking up, driving back to Richmond. Two and a half hour drive all like, the way there. Like, and no one caught it on the internet. Like, what? Like, he fucking scooped it on us. Like I For think, a deal. Yeah, 300 bucks for the pair. Yeah. And I think, like, other people from Pennsylvania were trying to get the bikes. But he was like, oh, I'm already on the way. Paid for. Coming. Picking yeah. up and like I rode, I rode, I didn't ride one. Vince rode one the other night, and I looked at him in person. They're they're perfect. Like all the stuff, all the things, they look great. But um, tire pumps, spare stuff. But yeah, like he just like he's like he's in our scene. So like a lot of things that happen locally, like he might be a part of, or if we go on a trip or something, he might be a part of. So sometimes he tends to get mentioned because yeah, if everybody's wrecking in the side of trucks, he might be a part of it. Because like if I got shit going on and it involved him, then like he's a part of it. You know, like it's a, so we bring it up sometimes because that's just like part of my life. I'm not like bringing it up because it's his life. I'm bringing it because it's my life. And he's a big part of our lives. Yeah. So a lot of time I we just refer to him as thou shall not be named. So we aren't implementing him anything he doesn't want us to mention um no yeah. criminal activities next voicemail hey y'all it's Lil D you guys were just talking about some silly things that happen when people steal mopeds um so I figured I'd call in and give you a story the story of the Rasta Bravo so this was a, a bike in Atlanta um it was like red yellow and green so everyone kind of called it the Rasta Bravo and it's this dude who rode it around, but he never really rode with us, but we all kind of knew him, or at least knew about the bike. And we had seen on Craigslist, this guy had posted up that it had been stolen. Anyway, we were riding around, uh, like, later that week on a Sunday ride, and we were riding down Bankhead, which is a pretty notorious neighborhood in Atlanta. Um, we stopped to get gas at this gas station. There's this little kid, like 13 or 14, selling drugs on the corner. And uh, he comes up, and he's like, Yo, I got one of those. You want to buy it? 
and we're like fully expecting it to be a scooter. So we're like, oh yeah, like one of these with pedals. And he's like, yeah, yeah, it looks just like like that one. Points at Kevin's Bravo, and we're like, oh really, a Bravo? Um, so I go with this kid and I follow him around the corner to like where he does his deals or whatever. And he gives me a number and he's like eighty bucks. And we're like, all right, we're buying it back. So I come back later that day with Eugene and his truck, and we go to this house like in Bankhead, and uh, this it's like this real sketchy house full of young kids, like all in their teens, and there's like a dozen of them all in this little house on the street. Everything's abandoned, and they got like guns out on the table. This one kid has like an AK-47 or some assault rifle, and I'm like walking in there alone. Eugene's outside, and I'm like, uh whoops, I might have fucked up real bad here. Um, but, like, their leader or whatever comes out, and he's like, you buying this moped? Come with me. And he, like, takes me down inside the house, like, to this little side room. And they got it in there, and it's the Rasta Bravo. And he's like, 80 bucks, man. And I, I'm like, here's 40. And he's like, we said 80. And I have no idea where I got the balls to be, like, arguing over 40 bucks for this thing. But I got it back for 40 bucks, and we made it out of there alive. Um, and actually, when we were riding back, some other guy came out, and he's like, oh, you buy those things? I got this Honda Spree, 200 bucks. And we're like, oh, shit, really? And I think he realized we were so excited, you know, he added in, you know, 200 plus a tip. So that became a thing. You can use that one. Uh, if you sell something uh, maybe for too cheap or make too low of an offer, add in the yeah, plus a tip. You know, I'll sell you my socks <laughs> for 100 bucks. Plus, plus a tip. Um, anyway, we get this bike back, and we're looking at it, and they had mistaken the fork lock for the ignition and managed to jam a screwdriver in there and actually lock the forks, uh, where if they had just pushed the thing, you know, and the pedal... Oh, dang. Hey, the, it got cut off, man. It was a long voicemail. I don't know what happened. Damn, maybe call was... back and finish the story. Yeah, we'll call Will... Not right now. Just just a real time. quick, Jason. What's up? Peroxide. Oh yeah, yeah. Hydrogen peroxide. There you go. Yeah, look Full at full circle. <laughs> Back to the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's also good at removing uh, like stains from shirts at printing if you mess them up sometimes, real slightly though. Uh, damn, that was a pretty good story. I think we a couple of weeks ago we had mentioned if you had like a great story about like a bike getting stolen or like a breakdown or some kind of like funny moped story that's happened to you to call it in. And Will from the swoops did that. And that was a pretty interesting story about buying back some stolen bikes. Interesting, long witted, winded story that got cut off. Yeah, dude. Unfortunately, fucking, you know, I like it. Chilling in the hood, little bank head down there and fucking Atlanta. got their own little fucking click. Sketchy. AKs, little child gang. Yeah. I got a fucking AK picture of me somewhere. I hope it doesn't surface. <laughs> no fucking oh, consequences. Yeah. The little kids, you know, they don't know. They don't know shit. Yeah, dude. Walling out. But buying bike mopeds for 40 bucks. Good deal. Yeah. Uh, one last vo- voicemail. So let's hit it. This is Jim Henry calling. Just saying congratulations on 100. If you actually play this, I'm on the road right now, driving home from Kansas City. Yes, I was on the road again for mopeds and rides and the good fine boats of Lawrence, Kansas, cold trailers at a ride, and I got to see the Spicy Boys and one of the cooler people I know in mopeds, Moped Pizza Party. Um, Marie's pretty awesome. You guys are rad. 
thank you so much for all the podcasts you've done. Uh, congratulations on 100, and we all hear, hope to hear 100 more. So, Minnesota Jim saying bye. Oh, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah, my guy. <laughs> my guy, my, my guy, Jim uh, Henry. I don't know about another 100, but we'll fucking see. Yeah, no, like how many times do we just tell the same stories? Yeah, I mean, just like you just gotta keep repeating them and then hope they don't hear them all. I think I, the goal is to sell all this equipment to Will Swoop and let him start t- doing it. Oh man, that'd be great. I'm sure Will has like fucking at least 100 episodes of worth of stories by himself. Yeah, I'm saying by himself. <laughs> Dude, that's it. Uh, episode 100 in the books. We gave the... Do we give a word for the... No, I think we're going to do that next week. Yeah, we'll keep it going. Well, should we let them register this week too? Let's do it in both so they so they know. We'll use the same one next week. So, happy 100? Peroxide? Nah. That's confusing. Because then I'll just forget like we did earlier. <laughs> <laughs> uh just happy 100. That's easy. So email us happy 100 to moped monday podcast at gmail.com and give your name, your address, and a phone number. Yeah, a phone number might help. Yeah, a phone number might help. We'll, we'll add that one this time around too. And don't apply more than once. Venmo is $500. Yeah, that's still a good deal and probably what we're doing. Um, yeah, just uh, do that. Moped Money Podcast at gmail.com. Email us your name, your number, and your address, and send us happy 100. And that'll enter you into the raffle for the episode 100. And we'll announce whenever we're going to do the winner. But it's not going to be this week. We're going to kind of compile it a little bit and try to get more people involved in it. You know, maybe we'll get the 50 this time. You know, let's try to get at least 100 contestants. Uh, that might take too long. <laughs> I don't think so. I think if a few people double register, you know, it'll, it'll happen. No, nah, no, don't worry. <laughs> keep, it, keep it fair. Be safe. Like, let, let, let's be kind to your neighbors. And, you know, I hope you guys are still riding with your local club, doing your thing, um, enjoying your mopeds. Getting out in your garage. Bit. Even if it's raining, like it's going to be tomorrow, I'll be out there wrenching. And, you know, when it comes, when it comes time for us to do the fucking podcast rally, dude, you know what's going down. Just it's kidding. going down. <laughs> Dude, All right, that's it. Fuck, Fuck your, your car. car. Ride, Ride a moped. moped. Bye-bye. So, um, what are your favorite moped sounds? Fuck your car. Ride a moped. I don't know. Like, touch a flower. Is it moving? Like, no, nah, feel free locked up. Sounds like a fuck, dude. Oh, boy. Womp, womp, womp.